Indy Left, what is happening here? To check out independentleft.news. The Indy News Network. Indy Left News. Oh, hey, Indy Left. Independentleft.news. Great work. Indy Left News. The Independent Left. Independent Left News. Independent Left News. Shout out. Oh, what's up, Independent Left? Independent Friends left. Show. Thank you, Independent Left.News. The INN Indy. They're wonderful. I think I think Indy was onto something. Independent News Network, Indy News. Yeah. What's up, Indy over on Rockfin? Independent News Network, also known as INN. Indy Left News. I don't know if I would have made it through that three weeks without Indy, honestly. <laughs> no, I was just gonna ask Indy. A huge thank you and shout out to Indy Left. No, you know what we're doing? We're world building, Indy. <laughs> Indie. Indie Left News. You were doing uh, the INN recruiting. Indie News. Independent Left News. Shout out to Independent Left News. Academy News. I see Indies in the chat. Hi, Indy. Okay, great. Bye. Okay, bye. No, hi. Hi, everybody. Hey. It's Indy. And, and who's this guy? Fish eye. It's, it's me. It's yeah. Reef. Uh yeah. We're back. We're back. Um I'm I'm so excited to be back, first of all. Um thanks for being here, the eleven of us that uh are, are here now. So thank you. But this is how do we miss that? Once again, it's not nobody wants to work anymore. It's how do we miss that? We're back to how do we miss that? How do we miss that is back. And I'm excited for that. More time. No, we're gonna, time, we're gonna say the name one more time. We're we're gonna get to that in in a few minutes, but uh, well, I just wanted to. Yes, I missed. We we missed Sabby. We missed a lot of people live lately because we've been super busy. I actually went with my family to the apple orchard today and to the farm and like had to tried to Which unplug family? His, family number one or family number tried two? tried to uh, oh stop that dude I <laughs> listen to this guy all right um. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh yeah, I'm um we we've been doing a whole other show and we've been doing a couple of whole other shows. We've both been real busy. I've been writing a couple of articles. We're gonna read one tonight. Um so yeah, it's it's just been a busy, busy month that's flown by. I've missed everybody, but not really, because you know, I've been doing three other shows. So American Tradition last week was amazing. You saw a couple of the cuts. From that earlier tonight, we played the Dust of Better Days. That that has been, and then I started off with uh, I don't even remember uh, the uh, the uh, oh a stroll through the ruins. That's what it is. Sorry, I'm glitching out here. So we had a stroll through the ruins to start, and if you haven't heard that, go back and listen to it. It's it's amazing, and we also just published it today on INN YouTube, so you can listen to it there as well. All right, so welcome everybody to How Do We Miss That? How Do We Miss That is a show featuring articles written by independent journalists who expose corruption, cover workers organizing, and environmental crises, damn it, while challenging corporate establishment narratives and talking points. Bastard. No! (laughs) New episodes stream live Sunday nights at 10 o'clock. Hey, that's when this is. Eastern on our YouTube and Rumble, Twitch, Rockfin, Substack. Yeah, we're live over there. Facebook, Telegram channels. We usually publish the podcast within a couple of days to Amazon, Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, and more. I am Indy, as you can see from the screen. But for those listening, I'm the guy who 
is on the left side this time. We shifted that up. Um, I'm the founder and editor of Indie Media Today. That's the sub stack that we're going to read later. I am the co-host of American Tradition with Jesse Jett. I am also the co-host of Nobody Wants to Work Anymore with Snow Himbo on INN, both. And I got this guy sitting next to me. He's Reef Reeland. Say hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. So, hello, Reef is... Yeah, Reef... Well, hello. Reef, uh, Reef is INN's technical <laughs> director. All right. He is the creator, engineer, and co-host of INN News, which you can see Wednesday nights on Indie News Network, which, by the way, we are all members of. We are co-founders of Indie News Network, which is a collaborative family of independent content creators. And you can find all our channels at inn.network. We made it easier for you. inn.network. Um, somebody told me that if I tell people to do three things, that they're not going to do them all. So all I'm going to ask you to do is share the link out today. I'll tell you yeah. later to hit the thumbs up. But right now, share the link out. Tell people we're live. Share it out, please. Share it out to Twitter, X, whatever the hell you want to call it. Share it out to Telegram. Share it out to Facebook. Yeah, people do actually watch on Facebook, believe it or not. Hi, Facebook. Facebook's watching. Share it out everywhere. Um, please. We need help. We're being suppressed to crap. I mean, the tweets previewing the show even were just, ah, they... Went to people in DM threads, and that's basically it. So we've got so we've got some stories for tonight, as usual. That's what we're here to do. And then we're gonna do some boats. Everybody loves boats. Hey, what what's going on there? Hey now, that's that's not that's not the right thumbnail. What's going on there? Hey. That's the right one. No, that was that was the wrong thumbnail. Hey. That was that was the anniversary thumbnail. But that's right. We've got the right thumbnail on the screen coming up. So Let's go to that and let's go to that. That's the right thumbnail. Hey, but man, what is what in cheaper's name? Oh, to be nice. Uh, be nice. It's not being nice. It's it's not being nice. Okay. All righty. We'll, 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 we'll just. I'll do it live. Alrighty then. We'll do it live. Alrighty then. Long day. We'll, we'll, we'll do it live. We'll do it okay. live. Thank you. Alrighty. So. Thank you. You're we have welcome. some stories this week. Now, this week, we only have three stories because we're going to go deep. And. I'm I'm raving mad right now, and um, this is why I'm raving mad. And I've been talking about this for a month. Reef's been laughing about this for a month. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. man, if these guys are not for one thing, they're certainly predictable. Um. Okay, so, by the way, who is this? This is Sean Fain. He is the president of the United Auto Workers, or the UAW. <laughs> Cowboy Kitty, um, fuck progressive insurance. Yes, fuck progressive insurance. <laughs> sure. That's our brother. But I saved a lot of money in my car insurance. 
That's by switching World? to Geico. Anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Progressive's flow. I forgot. Right. Pro progressive is, is flow. Yes. Uh, Rick Solis is here, too, from Texas. I just wanted to say hi to Rick because he's fams. Anyway, we've got to get to Sean Fain. Wow. What is going on with the UAW? Well, uh, first thing is, as you saw in my stream title, maybe, or somewhere in the description, corporate media is completely lying, bamboozled, disillusioned, selling a narrative, and they're desperate to sell a win. So, thankfully, there are a few excellent publications that are willing to be brave enough to challenge the unions because they certainly need to be. And that's the union heads, not the rank and file workers, because the rank and file workers voted for 97%. We're going to talk about this. They voted 97% to authorize a strike. So we're going to go back to 1st, August 23rd. This is before the strike action happens. This is before the workers even vote on whether they're going to authorize a strike. And this is someone at Socialist Alternative that is begging the UAW members to vote for a full strike and for leadership to go further than the UPS leadership. Okay, and I'm not going to read all of this because I have a bunch of slides here that I've prepared, but I've set this up because I really think that everybody needs to take a closer look at what's going on here. And we're, we see the, the auto workers are actually being screwed over by leadership, whether it's being sold or not. Let's, and let's look at why. And I'm going to make the case here. So they're saying here that Sean Fain, and we're going to let Reef take over here a little bit, because I, I've been doing nonstop talking for 12 minutes or so. But like the Teamsters leadership, I'm going to read this part. UAW also has new leadership elected on a reform program. And again, UAW's yep. new reformer president, Sean Fain, is promising to take a more fighting rank-and-file approach and strategy to the big three contract campaigns. Again, this is before the strike which happened on September 14th. And I've got a timeline down later on. Reef, mm -hmm. tell me about well, reformists I'm, and about unions. <laughs> I've been saying it for a while that unions are reformist in nature. They're not there to, like, revamp the entire system. They're there to fix what's there, right? Like, that's, it's, it's still, they want to be a part of the capitalist system. So... You know, it's supposedly there to make that better and to help you fight against the bourgeois in that way. But, you know, it's not really getting rid of the whole kit and caboodle, right? Like, we're not even going for co cooperative in this case. Nope. So, you know, you're you're just trying to make it, you know, you got to paint it better. Like, that's pretty much it. Vince is rotten, but some paint will help it, you know? Right. So, but here, he talked about expressing readiness to shut down factories at all three auto manufacturers uh, with strikes across all three. That would include some 150,000 auto workers. That's what we've been talking about, 146, 150,000 auto workers. All right. Um, despite reformers being elected to union leadership at two of the biggest industrial unions in the U.S., the Teamsters, of course, had the opportunity, and we lamented and went crazy on that one too, to further victories by struggling together with the UAW as a source of inspiration for the broader labor movement, labor movement, 
and working people everywhere. The decision by O'Brien and Teamster leadership to agree to a TA that's acceptable to UPS without escalating the struggle by taking the strike action they said they were preparing for acts as a huge break on the labor movement and will impact the potential for a UAW strike. Any potential for a UAW strike at the Big Three would be much more likely if auto workers were getting inspiration from existing picket lines instead of Teamsters at UPS. Now, as it turned out, that wasn't the truth, but that was their prediction. What could have been two industrial unions representing a huge share, a huge share of the U.S. economy, right? Striking within a month of each other. Could you imagine UPS and UAW, the Teamsters and UAW striking simultaneously? I could whisper of a dream. Right? Well, that's basically what they're trying to, to, to say. That Could you have whispered of a dream? It could have dramatic, dramatically increased the potential for building a more fighting labor movement that could have motivated unorganized workers across the, the country to join unions. Now, this is the only time I'm really going to talk about electric vehicles, and electric vehicles are certainly part of the subject and what's going on here at the union. I think we're going to talk about it one more time. But you saw, I saw a ahead. thing recently about... Sure. Uh, I forget which electric vehicle company, but they're the ones making like the batteries and frames for it. Yes. Like a factory that's doing that here. And they literally had to add a coal power plant to power the damn thing. I like, think that's in Ohio. Right. Like what, how make that make sense? You know? Well, like coal, they can get coal easily so, to clean next, coal. Next door. Damn. I miss clean. It's clean. Washed it's coal. clean. It's clean. It's clean. It's clean. Yeah, well, they they take it out and they wash it and yes, <laughs> yeah, right. Doesn't didn't yeah. W say something like that? So, right. Yeah. Um, so EVs <laughs> and the UAW's bold contract demands, and this is what's going on here, is that part of of what's playing out is that the transition to electric vehicles, which is being precipitated also politically by the Biden administration, has presented challenges for the UAW, and EVs are increasingly becoming a main feature in contract negotiations. Why? Because the big three have invested billions, billions and billions in new technologies and battery plants. We have to get that on the soundboard. Some kind of billions other than $1 million. Oh, man. Thank you. Right? Despite not yet making any profits from EVs, the company coffers are safe because they're more profitable now than at any time since the Great Recession of 2008. I'm going to stop. And I'm going to repeat that line because it's really important. The big three are more profitable now than at any time since the Great Recession of 2008. Over the last 10 thanks, years. Thanks, Obama. Yeah, thanks. Well, look. Over the last 10 years, GM and Ford have typically made a profit of 7 to $11 billion per year in North America. Stellantis, who's the smallest of the three, Usually he's earned somewhat less, but has already profited $12 billion in the first half of this year. Jesus Christ. Which is, which is a 37% increase over last year. And the equivalent of what the other big three usually make in a, in a full year. So The money is there. Yes, I know, I know Greta. <laughs> yes. UAW Reform Caucus. So this is how Sean basically got elected. So when Sean won the UAW presidency, he ran as part of a reformer slate called UAW Members United, and all seven of the slate's candidates won their leadership elections. They were backed by Unite All Workers for Democracy, which is another group, a reform caucus, of which he's a member, 
Right? The slogan for that reformer slate that they ran on was no corruption, no concessions, no tears. So they're hopeful that this could indeed be a breakthrough for the UAW to rise again. But here's what they should do. They should escalate their contract struggle with the big three, prepare to go further than the Teamsters did with UPS, which they have. The UAW needs to seriously prepare for a strike, which they kind of did, but they included organizing practice pickets. I didn't hear about them doing that. They might have, like the Teamsters did. Teamsters leadership talked a big game about striking, but ended up agreeing to a TA that paled in comparison to what could have been won with a strike. That's an opinion, and I agree with that opinion. A lot of people will disagree, but they had nothing to lose. They they had already agreed. I mean, the UPS, with five days out, had already agreed to this. Right. If you continued to say no, maybe they would have agreed to more. But they took the first yeah. deal that was offered to them. Huh? As, like, every union has been doing. <sighs> Dude. The UAW should not make the same mistake and instead be prepared to actually go through with a nationwide strike with pickets at every big three factory solidarity. This was again April, I'm, I'm sorry, August 23rd. Now what happens? Like like WGA, first first deal they take. I'm going to bring like, you right up to, to what happened on Friday. UAW escalated their strike action against Ford and GM, but spared Stellantis this week. They went on strike on the evening of September 14th into 15th, Himbo and I actually were recording live. We're recording for Nobody Wants to Work Anymore. And we did a whole segment and I went crazy on UAW during that. And definitely, by all means, go watch that on INN. But do it after this show. So yep. what's going to happen is that the union will walk out at Ford Assembly, Ford Assembly, Chicago and Lansing Data. These are parts assembly, parts and assembly plants. Throwing a strike from 17,000 to 25,000 out of 146,000 potential workers at the big three. Where's, where's Ford Assembly, Chicago? Do you know? I mean, it's Chicago, but I, I'm not get kid out there. I'm not sure exactly, no, but <clears throat> that's probably a good idea. So, I have some of those occasionally. Um, some other Very people, occasionally, were, but some people were out and interviewing. Sean Fain and I, and he told Automotive News, <clears throat> which is the industry publication for the auto industry, the union would escalate strike action. Stellantis still at 10 a.m. They received an updated counter proposal, right? So the union then decided not to escalate against Stellantis this week. So are they, are they not? Last week it was Ford. So last week, he publicly declined to escalate against Ford, citing that they were progressing. However, this Friday, he blasted Ford. We gave them a comprehensive proposal on Monday. Still haven't heard back. That's nice. Now, the morning after the strike, that, that, that again was the latest as to what's happening today. So I wanted to let everyone know kind of where we were before everything and where we are today. Now what happened in between? Because holy crap. So the night of the vote, I'm recording with Himbo. And the next morning, I see payday report, and we this hit my inbox on Thursday night. Friday morning, I put this tweet it, out. What's that? I know, I know, I know. It's not. Go ahead. But that UAW logo does look very similar to that Black Sun logo. Like, I mean, I know it's not that, but it's a 
It's a wheel, like, a spoke wheel and tire. I it's, a, it's a, right. <laughs> yeah. But like, I feel you, I guess. If, but... you, if you squint a little bit, you know, like, uh, it's just, anyway, that's my brain caught that. Don't worry about it. So mm. I tweet out, shout out to Mike, because Mike Elkington and Mike Elk over at Payday Report, he's out in Pittsburgh, great independent journalist who covers nothing but labor. That's all he covers is workers at the organizing and at the um, fighting management level or payday stuff or fighting for right. better pay and better benefits. So like I said, in case you missed it, UAW did not strike with all 150,000 members across the country last night. Leadership chickened out. They said the plants would shut down, no contract, yet most workers are on the job today. Shout out to Payday Report and Mike Elk, and, uh, Mike Elk for putting out the report that at 10 o'clock p.m., Sean Fain went on a national call and told everyone that he was only going to authorize a strike right now at three non-strategic locations. So, which that's happened? like, like we're gonna we're we're gonna strike some non-strategic targets. What? 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 Right. <laughs> what? They're like parts plants. Huh? They're like parts plants that only make parts that deliver to dealerships, but don't impact the actual building of the cars that impacts the profitability of the OEMs of the manufacturers. That's hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, there's so there's that too. So that's what Eric London over at World Socialist website had to say about it, which is that Sean Fain's expanded strikes are gonna have zero now. Remember, now what happened also during this time is that the day of the strike, the, the, the 15th bullshit union buddy, quote unquote union boss buddy, Bernie, usually when the strike's just about over, they send him in, or at least they send him in to try to coax and coach out a deal between everyone. He was obviously unsuccessful right. because the next week they escalated and, that, and nothing got solved. And we're still on strike today, but... Other things happen too. So first of all, the expanded strikes will also have I am once zero again asking for your financial support. Oh, is that what he was doing? Dude, stay away. Dude, yeah. keep him away. Keep him away from this whole thing, please. All right. I I can't. I can't with this guy. So instead of calling assembly or component plants out, Fain and the UAW bureaucracy called plant parts distribution center workers at only GM and Stellantis out on strike. This again was was last week. They didn't call Ford out, right? These centers called PDCs. This is important stuff. It's a little bit nitty gritty, but it's important. These Personal PDCs, defense cannons. Right? No, well, no, they're parts delivery centers <laughs> are aftermarket facilities at the very end of the auto supply chain supplying dealerships. So the strike at PDCs, like I said, will have no impact on the Big Three's production, citing real progress with Ford. This was a week ago. Bain also said there would be no strikes at Ford's PDC, so they had no impact there. Now, this week they had some, but this was last week. This is notable considering the Canadian Union bureaucracy's last-minute agreement with Ford to prevent a strike north of the border. So Canada, they got on board with, that's Unifor or whatever. We're going to talk about that in a second. Um, yeah. Workers have been given no information about the deal that they're being told to vote on this weekend in Canada. Oh yeah, there was that too. So, 
Blame Canada is what you're telling me. Well, sort of, but no, blame the unions and union bosses in Canada because union bosses here suck and everywhere suck. So, yes, you're certainly going to do that. You usually do. Um, (laughs) Well, sorries. No, don't don't be sorry. Hold them accountable. Fain also, this is what I was talking about. Fain also extended a friendly invitation to U.S. President Joseph Robinette Biden. Oh, yep. To visit a picket line. And he ran a bunch of bad boys. Like like Eric said on the 22nd, though, this would be nothing but a stunt aimed at promoting illusions in the pro-corporate Democratic Party. Biden and Congress intervened last year to illegalize a potential railroad strike and force through a sellout contract that 100,000 railroad workers had previously rejected. We all covered that. Are we, are we going to get to the side-eye guy? Please tell me you have the side-eye guy. I don't have the side-eye guy. but You don't have the side-eye guy? That side-eye guy was best guy. I lost as well. Mm-hmm. Dude, I got I got a lot of stuff to cover. If I if I go every side-eye guy, <laughs> we're, we're going to be here a long time. So Just go find the video of Biden talking. That, that should be a thing. Not everyone's mm-hmm. favorite World Socialist website reporter, Jerry White. Um. Anger mounting as against Fane as opposed to others. And we'll, we've got one from our favorite WSWS writer. I like Eric London. He's if he, you know, he's, he's good on this stuff. He went after Savvy. We don't like that. But he's also done some, some great stuff. Yeah, ooh. Um, yeah, ooh. Anger mounting against Fane's bogus strike policy as UAW prepares to announce a sellout deal with Ford. And this was Jerry White about three, four days ago. Right? So Jerry's saying that the efforts by UAW to keep 128,000 of its 146,000 working during its so-called stand-up strike, and I wanted to use that word, stand-up strike, which is a strategy that they claim that they're using that auto workers used in the 1930s to, it's like kind of like the version of a wildcat strike at the plant level. Right. You're saying it's not like Seinfeld and like, you know, Bill Hicks in a picket line. It's not, not a stand-up strike. Well, no. or Jimmy or Jimmy Dore. Well, Jimmy sure. Dore would Jimmy Dore would visit a picket line, but stand-up strike. Yeah. He wouldn't. He wouldn't visit a picket line to do gigs. I would guess. So stand-up strikes. No, nah, I would say is probably. Although with his back, he might sit down a lot during that, but it's okay. But here's the <laughs> thing. Know. Is this is what we we uh, predicted would happen? Would be resentment inside the factories that are not on strike, which is inside the non-striking factories. Anger is mounting over the increase in line speeds, unjust suspensions, and firings of workers who have no protections under expired contracts, and the reduction of hours, particularly for temporary workers living on the edge of poverty. Now, temporary workers are still union members, and this is what's going on here. The struggle of auto workers is at a critical juncture. And Jerry White, don't always like him, but this, this is a good article here. Everything depends on rank-and-file workers taking the initiative and turning the UAW's phony stand-up strike into a real strike involving all 146,000 GM, Ford, and Stellantis workers. Workers in every non-striking factory should communicate with each other. That's what we've been talking about is communication among the rank-and-file is so important and raised a demand for the immediate convening of emergency local union membership meetings 
where workers can discuss and pass resolutions to call out all members in an industry-wide walkout. Like, that's important stuff. Yeah, let's do that. And they can yep. do that, but they just need to organize outside of their union leadership, which I don't even know if they're allowed to do. And that's what he's suggesting. Now, you define allowed. Well, as, as they would basically be thrown out as UAW members, forfeit their pensions and a lot of other things as well, potentially. Yeah. Right? So, simple math, man. And this is what I wanted to put out there is why didn't they put the full union membership out on strike? Why did they only strike at three plants? Well, part of it was, yeah, I'd, they're trying to make a deal and they're trying to slowly drip out their strategy, quote unquote, is a ruse, in my opinion. It's a cover for this. This is why they didn't it's go full strike. Geometry. It's math. It's all about geometry, right? It's you got 150,000 members that are going to get $500 a week strike pay. You got $75 million a week, according to this, at $500 a week times 150,000 members is $75 million. I put it out on the calculator so everybody can see that I don't even have to do the math. The calculator did it. $75 million, you're looking at about 10 weeks that the union would strike at full membership. And leadership didn't want to what risk management waiting them out. They said how much they had recently, didn't they? Well, I've got, that. That. I've got that. I've got that later. So they yeah. initially, I thought it was eight hundred million. The truth is, it's eight twenty-five, and we're going to talk about the percentage and the number and the amount that's been spent so far. So next, no sound. Nope. No, no I'm waiting for you. Oh, so left voice, our friends over there, indie media award honorees. Hit it. Nope. Nope. I I I definitely put it. Oh, I know what's wrong. Uh, let me fix. Hold on. Discord. Okay. Left voice. By the way, Indie Media Awards are coming back. We're going to release the 2022 edition. Or 20. 2022 edition was last year. 2023 edition will be released in the next couple of weeks. We've been working on the list. We've been working on the website. Thank you, sir. Working on the list, yep. working on the website. Got a whole new list of in addition to, not in replacement of. Left Voice is still one of the top outstanding outlets, and they will still be Indie Media Award honorees, as will Consortium News and all the other outlets. So, thank you. And because of that, Left Voice gets that nice Welcome. little logo. So this is our friend Tatiana Cozzarelli over at Left Voice, who wrote the article that had the headline that I went, Mwah, you, you're, you're beautiful, my friend. Biden's picket line visit and Biden did come out and and accept Sean Fain's visit, uh, invitation to visit a picket line and they called it a historic visit the first time a president's ever visited a picket line oh, oh. you know the you know the thing oh god damn it <laughs> of course it's historic for a sitting president to stand with striking workers that's undeniable but the lesson that Jacobin, who ended up publishing this fawning article about how he stands with workers now, that they want you and millions of ordinary people to take from this is the wrong one. Biden is not on the side of workers any more than the Kente cloth-wearing Democrats were on the side of Black Lives Ooh. Matter. Ooh, that's so good. I love that. Come on, Come on. man. So good. A few hours later, 
right, after this whole shenanigans, Jackman publishes this article entitled The Militancy of the UAW Strike Forced Joe Biden to Take a Side and Walk the Picket Line. Um, Whatever you say, Haas. Jacobin's right that Biden's Thank visit you. to the picket line, thank you, results from UAW strike strength. Discord. But Jacobin is dead wrong in its assessment that Biden is on the side of the working class. Of course they are. Shout out to the snow himbo who may or may not currently be in chat. If he's not, shame on you. Uh, I'm sure the wife, wife is, except, you know, you're, you're good. I'm just playing. Anyway. No himbo. I hate this week already. Oh, yes. All the shit lives went crazy <laughs> when Biden showed up. Oh, he's the union friendly president. Where's, well, we're side eye guy. I'm, I'm going to have to find side eye guy. You got to find side eye guy. Yeah. You, you're going to have to send it. me side eye guy. Anyway, Biden's visit to the picket line is part of a project of aligning the working class with the Democratic Party in order to win the 2024 election, especially in the face of an erratic Trump who want a big, enough, a big enough sector of the industrial working class to help carry him to victory in 2016. Mm -hmm. And it's part of a project of projecting support for the working class in order to quell struggles and create national stability under the hegemony of the Democratic Party in order to continue its strategic competition with China. Okay, slow. Biden and the establishment. Yeah, it, it takes a second for yeah. Trump to come up. Biden and the establishment. China is China. Yeah, China. Thank you. Wow, that was outstanding <laughs> timing. Um, I know, right? Biden and the establishment and Tony Bobolinsky are terrified. No, not put them. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Who? Tony who? Bob, Tony Bobolinsky. What? Tony Bobolowski. You know what? I don't want to get my, I don't want to get turned off on. Well, thank goodness we're live on Rockfin and Rumble because they may turn <laughs> me off for saying that name. I don't know. So Biden and the establishment are terrified that this strike could unify the ranks of the working class. It could unify All the right. ranks of the working class, is what terrifies Biden and the establishment. Did you know that? And reinvigorate a labor movement. Yeah, thank you. And reinvigorate a labor movement that's been growing stronger since the Red State Revolt of 2018. Whatever. Okay, sure. Except that Red State Revolt disappeared in 2022. Anyway. Biden is giving handouts to companies in order to make this EV transition. $2 billion yep. from the IRA. The IRA. The Inflation Reduction Act. To be exact, I see spooky here, and most and and most new EV plants are in the right to work South, which is notoriously anti-union states that are in, in those states. So further, Elmo Musk's fuck you, Elmo Tesla is strongly anti-union and is already dominant in EV production. Unionized Tesla, as Chris Legion, who got booted off Twitter with his original account, has been yelling. Spoopy. Spoopy is here. Spoopy! You call me Smoopy. In other words... You call me Smoopy. You're Smoopy. You're Smoopy. You're Sorry. Go ahead. Continue. Um, are, are, are you I, done? Are you done? I mean, I might be. 
you know. Um, anyway, yes, Elmo. Elmo is definitely, yeah, you can't take anyone seriously named Elmo. Just like you can't take anyone seriously named Booby. Yeah, he's running Booby. independent. Keep that, keep that, keep that going. Stop, stop insulting boobies like that. In other words, the Biden agenda can the Biden agenda can hardly be described as on worker side. Instead, it is anti-worker and pro-imperialist, giving lip service, making promises, and offering the workers only the most thinnest reforms. Yes. Now, if workers are to ensure that EV plants, Ow. the new EV plants, POW, are unionized and provide high wages in good working conditions, they'll have to fight for it. Except that what's been happening is, is that the un the Automakers have been making joint ventures with other battery companies in order to produce the electric vehicle parts and components, and they're not unionized. So they're getting around the UAW with that. EV plants require less labor than those that produce gas fuel trucks. That's actually a good thing, but this transition to EVs is not a good thing because they're going to be able to control you a whole lot easier with EVs. And we're going to talk about, we can talk about that another time, but. The demand for 32 hours work for 40 hours pay will become increasingly essential to keep all workers hired and working as increasing numbers of plants are turned into EV facilities. Sure. Um, this is what I agree the most with on Tatiana, was that we need independent working class politics. Huh. How about that? We don't talk about that here at I at N at all, right? Jacobin laments the dealignment of the working class with the Democratic Party. He laments that, as Matt Carp says directly in, his, in the title of his Jacobin article, dealignment is real, we can help reverse it. This is the wrong approach for socialists. We should not work to reverse the dealignment. Instead, we must strike while the iron is hot. While the two capitalist parties seek to align the working class behind them, the working class should build its own independent power, its own independent party. UAW President Sean Fain is right in his statement against Trump. We can't keep electing billionaires and millionaires, billionaires and millionaires, that don't have any understanding what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck and struggle to get by, expecting them to solve the problems of the working class. I think he literally took that from Bernie. This is as true for Biden as it is for Trump. It's true for who the work for the Democrats and Republicans represent the capitalist class or call it the owner class because they own all the property. Now, World Social's website, same day that Eric London published his article, when it got scooped that Joe Biden might visit a picket line, David North, who's I think the managing editor over at World Social's website, he called out middle class journalists of or in of are of course impressed. Oh, I can't speak. But workers know that Biden is planning his tourist stop at the UAW picket line to bolster discredited union president Sean Fain, lend credibility to his pathetic stay on the job strike, and facilitate the sellout of the workers. Because we all know what's coming. At some point, they're going to sign a deal that's going to screw over most of the rank and file. Speaking I thought which, I DM'd you. Thank you. Now, I thought that this was yeah. actually the best of all of the articles covering the strike that happened on Friday. Um, yeah. This is where 
Marcus Day, who I think is the best writer over at WSWS, UAW president again orders vast majority of big three auto workers to continue working two weeks after their contracts expired. Why? Why? Why are there so many? The bureaucracy is betraying the widespread desire among workers for an industry-wide strike to reverse decades of concessions. Acting on a strategy worked out in advance with management and the Biden administration, surprise, surprise, the UAW is seeking to placate workers with false promises of expanding the strike. This is intended to wear workers down mm -hmm. and prepare the ground to announce contracts that will be completely in line with the company's demands for massive attacks on jobs and workers' living standards. Marcus knows what's about to happen, and he's warning us. But in contrast to his previous live streams, Sean Fain did not even provide cursory summaries of what the companies are supposedly demanding, nor did he make any reference to specific wage increases, pensions, retiree health care, or, or shorter work weeks. No specifics. Yep. That's already Give starting to disappear from the table. Sorry? For... Do you have a single for me? Or how do we miss that? I, I, I believe. Wait, I, not. Okay. I, I Here, I can I pull this up. I believe I do. If you put me on a single. Bring it. Well, look at Side-Eye Guy. Oh, um, Side-Eye Guy. Yes, I was like, Side-Eye Guy? Side-Eye Guy. <laughs> Side-Eye Guy. That guy. I love um, that guy. Side-Eye Guy. At the UAW bigot. Yes. Look at Alex Knight's got the got the best clip of that. Just this guy. <laughs> yeah, I think Lucy actually made that Very her profile well pick, as did others. Profile pick. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, she did. Just kiss on that. Yeah, that's outstanding. Um, so, uh, thank you, thank you very much. That definitely needed to be included. You're welcome. So, <laughs> yeah. Throughout the entire yeah. time, that was that that was Joe Biden's. By the way, 15 minute visit of which he spoke for exactly two. <laughs> Showed two. up. Yep. Did a little wave. It was like Queen Elizabeth showing up for the Pope. It was like, ah, the Pope, the Pope, the Pope. Ah. And the, the corporate media and the progressive media, they wet their fucking pants, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. They wet oh their pants. Oh, my God, pants. it's so good. Oh, my God, he visited a big line. Dude, I want to hear any conversation he had with a worker. I want it recorded. And I want to hear every single word that mumbled out of that clown's mouth. I'm sorry. They wouldn't let him get anywhere near an actual worker because he would be a clown show embarrassment in anything the man said. Oh, you're you're on track. You're you're building a cars, man. That's that's great. Like, who knew where he would go? And that's why they kept him on and he still can't follow the script. It's a Colin yeah. in the chat. Historic, y'all. It's, it's historic, y'all. It's historic. Yeah. Oh, I swear. Just and nobody. Like so funny. Nobody talking about it like this except for us and a couple other people. But mostly it's wow. Biden went to the picket line. Wow. Dude, isn't that so wow? Wow. Oh. Wow. Thank you. But in, uh, like wow. I said, throughout the entire contract negotiation process, the UAW has kept workers completely in the dark on the concrete deals of what they've agreed to <laughs> with, comp with companies, including the corporation's demands for huge job cuts in relation to the transition to electric vehicles. 
they are looking for cuts. After, yeah, after they've already made billions of dollars a year, $100 billion in profit over a decade. And the clearest indication that UAW apparatus is preparing a complete sellout, Fain again praised Biden's trip to the picket lines last week, saying, this week we were joined on the picket line by none other than the President of the United States. It was a historic day, as Colin said. Historic, y'all. Historic, y'all. Historic. All right. It's historic. In fact, Biden's visit to the picket lines, during which he spoke for just 87 seconds, was aimed primarily at bolstering Fain and the UAW bureaucracy and ensuring that it is able to keep workers' opposition under control. Bernie wasn't enough, so they sent the old fucker in. Ominously. Because they haven't sent Obama's comfortable shoe yet. Well, he doesn't go out to the comfortable shoes to the picket lines. He he only says he will. Yeah, but they can send his shoes. I'll put on my walking shoes. At least. I need that too. Ominously, Bain made repeated references to the GM Willow Run Center that Biden visited and other auto plants as arsenals of democracy. Referring to the what conversion is- of automotive factories to military production during World War II. Again, Ooh, the minute oh he my goes God, off, he's trying to. The minute he goes off the script in the in the present, Washington, of course, is rapidly escalating its war against Russia in Ukraine. And, and I, I really like, I really like that Rosie Riveter lady. Pouring tens. She was of, a big improvement. Like, what? Pouring tens of billions in military equipment into the country. We know. Following the failure of the so-called Ukrainian spring offensive, there have been growing calls for boots on the ground by the corporate media. Mm-hmm. And someone's going to make those boots. So, this is the, the timeline to buy the numbers that I put out, that I put together, based on what we've already seen here. August 28th, they vote 97% of the union. They're deciding, okay, we're going to strike. We're, 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 we're down. Strike. If they don't give us what we want, 32-hour weeks, no two-tier pay, all the other things that we're asking for, we're going out. Yep. Midnight or 10 p.m. Eastern, September 14th, UAW announces three parts plants on strike, total of 13,000 workers, one at each manufacturer. That, to me, also, again, where's where's Colin? It's historic, y'all! They're putting a narrative together because what was... Historic strike language was thrown around due to all three domestic OEMs getting hit simultaneously, but it was one non-strategic plan per manufacturer that had zero impact on profitability. So fucking funny, dude. Oh, it's not like funny that's, at all. That's it what's, you... it's, like, it's like, I can just imagine, like, the war room, right? Where it's like, now, now, General, we have these very important... Aliens here? No, 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 no. Move everything away from those. Go to go to the non-strategic. Like, <laughs> like that should be our first order of business. Yes. Okay. Yes. Like yes. not one. Like pick one. Pick one of them. Well, that's what pick they've one always... of the strategics. Well, traditionally, pick like one important thing. Traditionally, the union has selected one of the manufacturers and threatened to strike and shut them down completely, and they had the total amount of power to do that. Now, I think what happened here was they bit off a little more than they could chew in offering this 
historic strike. So yeah. they say we're going to strike with everyone. They strike with 13,000. After a week, they strike another 5,000 workers. Only at GM and Stellantis, like we said. So now you're at right. 18,000 workers. All right. Then this Friday, they decide... Still, they're not getting the traction they want. GM's not coming to the table. Stellantis put something out, and that hasn't progressed the way they want. So they, but but they think that maybe it will. So they didn't strike Stellantis this week. So Ford, they were, we thought it, we were close. Now we're not close. So now we're hitting Ford again. But still, it's only parts distribution centers. Only twenty five thousand out of one hundred and forty six thousand workers. So let's do some math right. here, folks. We're gonna we're gonna go to math class. Uh -oh, All non-strategic. Let's remember one thing, and Reef asked earlier, how much is in that strike fund? Because I Googled it. Fuck you, Google. But I Googled it two days ago, which according to analysts at Evercore ISI, represents 12 weeks of strike fund worth at $825 million. Now, on top of the fact that not every UAW worker is an auto worker. So they don't even really fully have access to the $825 million, and nobody's talked about that. Because you've got airline people, you've got plenty of other UAW members that are not auto are, plant workers that work for the three manufacturers. Are places like the the foreign places that have stuff here, like Mitsubishi, I think, right, has stuff? Um, uh, plenty of manufacturers have plants here, but most of them are in right-to-work states and non-union. Toyota... That's, uh, Toyota's in Kentucky. Yep. Nissan is in Tennessee. BMW's in South Carolina. Tesla moved from California, a union state, to Texas, a right-to-work state. You've got manufacturers that are what? moving what? from what? union to right-to-work states what? because it's it's better for the capitalists. We know why. So here's where we're going to go to math class. Let's. Damn it! God damn it, Bobby! Let me jam it. Damn it, Bobby! I got to get that on the soundboard too. Dang it, Bobby. Total strike fund, 825 million. First week, 13,000 workers, 500 bucks a week. That's six and a half million dollars for those who are counting at home. Week two, they go up to 18,000 workers. That's another $9 million for that week. This week, we're at 25,000 workers. We're at 12 and a half million. People are going to call him brilliant because he's only spent so far 28 million of the 825 million which 25 to me, million 20, 28 million 16 16 15 5 and 12.5 is 28 million which is 3.3% of the 825 million let me repeat that They've been on strike for two and a half weeks, and he's spent 3.3% of their strike fund. Yep. And there's 121,000 workers still on the job under contract, not working without contracts that are randomly being fired here and there. And I didn't, I couldn't cover everything with this story, though I really wanted to. There's a lot more. There's Pinkertons that are coming in and physically hitting and, and hurting the workers from what we are hearing. We are talking, we are hearing about corporate violence against striking workers happening. That somewhere in Michigan, somebody ran over a worker with a truck or with a car. When you saw the scabs. Right. 
Like, there, there is a yeah. lot more to this story than we were even able to cover in the 45 minutes that we've been talking about it or fit, you know, or so please continue to look up geometry. I'm going to put all the links to all the articles and we, we pulled from like 10 different articles in this segment. Look at all these publications, support these people that actually are in support of workers because there are so few publications breaking points, wetting their pants, TYT, wetting their pants, all these clowns, the Vanguard. Oh my God. Thought that what we were talking about here and what why the actual workers are being screwed. <laughs> what do they know about <laughs> labor? <laughs> Dude. It is Gavin's special living wish to be roasted by his favorite comedians. Dude. Who? Yeah, exactly. So, well, he, <laughs> he got that. Let's let's see their reaction to what serves as Vanguard and then and then we'll talk to those. Can you clowns. stop embarrassing yourself? Oh, Get get him off too. He's even worse. He also wet his pants. <laughs> he wet his pants over Joe. Joe Biden went to a pit. Oh my God. He went to a pit. Oh Ask them. Yeah. They're all. Ask them. Clowns. Oh my God. I'm so embarrassed. I even like these idiots. Ever. I'm sorry. I'm sorry Probably to whoever. serious. These people. Who are these people? Hey guys, we got a merch store. Independentleft.shop. We also have INNmerch.com. I got to get that up there somewhere. INNmerch.com will get you to this store as well as to the INN store and to the Big Mad Crab store. Buy some merch from Big Mad Crab and support our thumbnail guy and our creative director, Big Mad Crab. Oh, man. Um, I'm, I'm spent already. Shut up and take my money. The Vanguard's a bunch of right-wingers. Yes, they are. They love Ukraine. They love funding war. <laughs> and they love shitting on actual anti-war activists. Yes, that's correct. They're garbage. And I have no Got qualms Baj. about saying that anymore. All right. So how are we doing, everyone? Who? We got third. Well, we got, we got a decent number here. Check it out. Check it out. Crab is in the chat. That math ain't adding up, fam. No, that math does not add up. Something is rotten in the state of Denmark. So there's Who'd something they else get? rotten. Could they get Andrew Yang to do that math? You know? No. Well, they, they could. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're all in that boat mostly. Yes, we are Cowboy Kitty. We are mostly all in that boat. We're, we're, we're fucked. Let's, let's get a little misty going here. We're fucked. Thank you. I, yeah, I need to add that to the things that we like the um, right like i have like over here on the left of my soundboard i have like the stuff that we use frequently and i need to add more in there now now before we start our next segment i wanted to give a shout out to our friend Fiorella, who went to iran i don't know if anybody saw this but she went on some kind of delegation no. trip to iran so i wanted to shout out and oh no i don't hear it Maybe you guys hear you, it. You, I heard it. Good. I don't hear any of those, but I, I got that thing where it's sending to the wrong thing, but hey, I love that sound bit that he grabbed that. Um, we've got we've got members in chat. By the way, you can subscribe to YouTube membership Gee. for the channel on INN, Indie News Network, youtube.com slash Indie News Network. Become a subscriber for as low as $2.99 per month. You get these little badges and icons for people? chatting. Yes, who are these people? I've also been releasing every week an early segment of Nobody Wants to Work Anymore about a day in advance 
for the you for the members as well as for the patrons over at patreon.com slash indie news network. You can go check it out over there and subscribe, support independent media because we could use every dollar. And we got a couple this week. And thank you so much for our new subscribers. I don't know if I got everybody on this list. It's getting so thankfully between all the super chat donors and our you can leave a super chat by the way over on YouTube, but um all the donors and all the subscribers, thank you. We're we're gonna have to get make a slide now. I think that's the next step. Because we're getting we're getting a nice number and thank you so much to everyone for supporting us. And we're still kicking and we're just growing. So this guy is CJ Hopkins. And we've talked about this guy quite a bit. We've covered a bunch of his articles. And we've talked about his yep. case and his story and what's happening to him, who lives in Germany. Ah. So now let me go back here for a second to us and let me turn this off and escape out of here because now we gotta do it live and go to this. Do it live! I can nice. I'll write it and we'll do it live. CJ Hopkins is over on Substack, cjhopkins.substack.com. He also has a website called the Consent Factory. Consentfactory.org. So what's been happening is that CJ has been prosecuted for publishing a book cover and for a subsequent series of tweets promoting said book. So I'll read from CJ here. So the Berlin state prosecutor has launched another criminal investigation of me. Apparently I'm being charged with a reporting on the original investigation of me that the Berlin state prosecutor launched in June. He's being prosecuted for reporting on the prosecution. Very Kafkaesque. What happened is, the prosecutor visited my blog and read a column I published in July, which we read here, the, the criminalization of the dissent revisited, which included screenshots of the alleged hate crime tweets that the original criminal investigation is based on, and that resulted in the order of punishment that the Berlin District Court handed down two weeks ago. Yes. The order of punishment. So the prosecutor opened a new criminal investigation and sent my attorney an official notice explaining the gravity of the additional charges. And who's, who's charging the Ministry of Truth or um, Big Brother himself? The, the German um, Ministry of Truth. Ah, uh, that's German, yeah. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah. Ach, handy, yeah. So. The charges are of the utmost gravity. I am officially accused of relativizing uh, relativizing or minimizing the crimes of the Nazis by republishing the two tweets that I originally tweeted. And once again, here are the tweets. And he's going to republish them again. <laughs> yep, again. Yep. Um, he says, yes. a white balance on that is, is, is good. You know, that way we're fine. He says, yes, that's um, right. I just published them again, and I'm going to explain why I published them again. Oops. I did it again. I, I, I love CJ. Yes. I played so, with your heart. I'm not going to explain them again. I've explained them in several previous columns. I've explained them to Matt Taibbi of Racket News, Max Blumenthal of The Gray Zone, James Freeman, Patrick Henningsen, Elena Louise Lang, Dirk Pullman, and Christine Black at Brownstone Institute. Forgive me if I'm forgetting anyone. Well, unfortunately, we're not on that list, though we would love to be. 
Um, I explained them to Stefan Milius of Weltwosch and another to another journalist at a big Swiss newspaper. My attorneys explained them in German to the prosecutor and to German audiences on Kontrafunk. Uh, Kontrafunk, sorry. Uh, I'm sure I'm wrong. Butchering that, RT published a piece explaining them. I believe that they've been exhaustively explained. Now, not that I they ever really needed explanation. You'd have to be a certified moron to believe that they minimized or relativized in any or in any way made light of the crimes of the Nazis. You and I are not certified morons. Neither is the Berlin State Prosecutor. I would argue that Neither is the District Court of Berlin. Not to put too fine a point on it, the charges are horseshit, and everyone involved knows it. They are a blatant pretext to crack down on dissent. Yep. Yeah. Okay, now let me explain why I just published the tweets again, knowing full well that the Berlin State Prosecutor is probably going to read this column, become extremely agitated, and charge me with additional hate crimes. Quote-unquote. Because, of course, they're ludicrously not hate crimes. No, I'm not a glutton for punishment. He's not a glutton for punishment. I'm not at all enjoying my introduction to the so-called German legal system. It's taking up my time. It's making me angry. It's upsetting my wife, which I do not appreciate. It's costing me a lot of money. It's forced me to ask other people for money, which is something I do not like to do. Fat. Yes, that's sad. It's screwing with my sleep. It's distracting me from my work. And so on, which is exactly the point. The goal of horseshit prosecutions like mine and those of many other dissidents currently is to A, punish us for speaking out against new normal totalitarianism by making our lives as miserable as possible. B, to make examples of us to discourage others from speaking out. And C, to intimidate us into shutting the fuck up. Into German horseshit specifically. Pferdescheiße. That's, that's it. That's how we do that. That's that's foul. I will say that <laughs> that I had a personal friend turn to me who knows what I do, and though he knows that I'm, you know, indie, but he knows my personal life, and he says, you know, they're blocking up people, and he 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 heard about the cop city stuff. He's a total normie. He watched something about something, and he know he's got relatives in Georgia. Ooh, cop city, lamb a lamb. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Stop, cop city. Shut that the hell down. Lamb a lamb. So he's worried because he heard that activists were getting arrested, and activists were being prosecuted and charged with domestic terrorism. And I said, yeah. And he said, you got a family, man. You can't, like, fuck around. I'm like, well, yes, but if I, A, I can't sit and watch corporate TV knowing what I know now. I can't go back. So now what? Um, I have to fight system, so that's what I'm doing. So that's what we do. Totalitarians. Well, as the BC Boys said, you have to fight for your right. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, okay. Totalitarians, fascists, and other power freaks <laughs> are essentially just glorified schoolyard bullies. They may cloak themselves in the mantle of the law, but their modus operandi is brute force. Beneath all the bullshit, their message is simple. Either do what we say or we will hurt you. 
okay, prepare yourself because I'm going to give you some advice. I do not generally like to do that, but in this case, I'm going to make an exception. Never, ever give in to a bully. The second you do, that bully owns you. When the bully wants more than what, whatever he is demanding, more than anything else in the world is your fear. The bully interprets your fear as respect because the bully doesn't understand respect. The bully craves your fear and your obedience because the, they reify the bully's authority. They enable the bully to feel That's powerful. I need, I need that. Yes. I know, I know. I'll add it to the list. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. They reify the bully's authority. They enable the bully to feel powerful and important. The bully needs to feel powerful and important because the bully feels weak and unimportant and afraid. All fascists are essentially cowards. They are cowards and nihilists who hate themselves and fear themselves and hate and fear life. Via nihilists. Via nihilists, which is why they are so obsessed <laughs> yeah, with controlling yeah. everything. We believe in nothing. We except believe for in our, nothing. Except yeah. for our friend Klaus. And eating the bugs well, and agenda twenty thirty. That makes way too much sense. CJ's point is never give in to a bully. Yeah, nihilist. Never reify a bully's authority. If you do, you will find yourself sucked into the bully's sadistic, nihilistic reality. You'll be playing by their rules. And that is all reality is. A set of rules we agree to play by, or in this case, do not agree to play by. So getting back to my criminal case and the Berlin State Prosecutor's latest attempt to bully me into shutting up and demonstrating my respect for the authority and power of the <laughs> Berlin State Prosecutor, fuck that. I don't respond well to threats. I do not take orders from totalitarians and fascists or any other type of authoritarians or bullies. So that is why I've republished these tweets. And why I will continue to republish those tweets every time the German authorities threaten me with additional criminal charges for refusing to obey their authority. Again, I am under no illusions. I expect the prosecutor to file new charges and issue further threats, which I will defy, which will lead to additional charges, and so on. I am not looking forward to that. But, thank you, I don't have any other choice not if I want to be able to respect myself. If you have doubts about whether that will happen, i.e. an endless cycle of new bullshit criminal charges stemming from my repeated refusal to respond to the German authorities' bullying, well, let me tell you about another dissident the German authorities are currently persecuting, and I'll do it quickly, and then I'll let you go. And we could also talk about Alina Lip, but as many of my readers are aware... Yeah. I'm presently holed up in an undisclosed location in the Italian countryside. Michael Balweg, the founder and lead organizer of Ferendenken Movement, okay, I'm sure, again, sure I'm butchering that, and I apologize, was also here for a while. Ferendenken, yeah. Yes. Michael, who is an excellent cook, whipped up some delicious extremist dinners, after which we all sat around denying COVID, conspiracy theorizing, brainwashing. COVID is real. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sounds like a good time. Right? Brainwashing Stay each connected. other with Russian propaganda and delegitimizing the state and so on. Man, that sounds like a party I want to be at. 
Late at night, Russian when the other scum. <laughs> Late at night, when the other extremists were sleeping, Michael and I discussed our criminal cases. See, Michael's case is a bit more serious than mine. Michael just spent nine months in jail. The German authorities have seized his assets and frozen all his funds, but he's homeless and bankrupt, and they're prosecuting him for attempted fraud, money laundering, and tax evasion, or, in other words, for launching a protest movement. What? If you're not familiar with Michael and Querdenken, you can read the official propaganda disseminated by the usual mainstream media or the intelligence officers who edit Wikipedia. Hi, Gene. Or here's a spiked article to start you off. Then go ahead, do your own research. Don't do that now. The most absurd aspect of Michael's case is the German authorities and theory of his crimes. According to his theory, Michael's devious. Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Derek. Michael's <laughs> devious, devious scheme was to commit serious fraud by, well, basically launching a nationwide protest movement that was certain to get a ton of media attention and incur the wrath of the German authorities, which it did. Right through jail, right away. As any criminal mastermind will confirm, the best way to commit major fraud is to absolutely infuriate the government by organizing a series of massive protests and generate tons of media attention, because you definitely want as much publicity as possible while you're defrauding your unsuspecting supporters of their voluntary donations to your cause seriously this is their theory of the crime which would make make michael balweg the most idiotic and incompetent fraudster in the history of fraud that's saying something considering bernie madoff's out there now i could go on about his case and mine or those numerous other dissidents that are currently being made examples of free julian assange and about the broader global cap crackdown on dissent which is happening not just in New Normal Germany, but all throughout the New Normal Reich. Yes, he says it, the New Normal Reich. He is not joking around or making light of the Nazism. He is equating what is actually happening here to the kind of totalitarianism that happened there, the type of systemic control, the type of media control, the type of narrative control, the type of war machine. Control. Control. But of course I need to... And here and go water some plants. <laughs> but but CJ needs to end there and go water some plants. He's serving as caretaker of this thought criminal sanctuary and he takes his responsibilities seriously. But he'll keep us posted on his further hate crimes. And in the meantime, best wishes from somewhere in Italy. I fucking love him. He's just yep. mwah, right, tongue, jail. right away. Tongue in cheek. Sarcastic, cynical as all hell. But it doesn't end there because he put out a banger that I had to at least call attention to. Oh, of, uh, we uh, got a super chat in, did, the, in the break. Yay, we got a what? super chat. Hey, yeah. how about that? We that did. Up. Yay, let's do it. I don't know if I even can in this screen, but... Okay! October, yes. We are no longer in September. The 21st night of... Ah, no, no, no. Well, that's spooky. not us. That's the independent review. Hi. Hi, Ryan. That's right, everybody. Okay. Back to CJ Hopkins. 
he wrote this hilarious article about what happened with our friend Michael Schellenberger, who's not really our friend, but he's an independent journalist and one of the Twitter Files reporters. And he kind of got clowned this week or last week. And I, I had to. Mr. Mike's Mondo Imbroglio or how not to launch a global anti-censorship movement. I just so brilliant. Sounds like a sounds like a fucking Wes Anderson movie title. Right. Um, well, what what, <laughs> you know, what like, had happened was what uh, happened was now if you remember correctly, if you remember correctly, we covered an article back in February or March. CJ traveled incognito to from Germany to London to attend an event, and you can see some of the people who were also at the event the day after publicly, but the day before he talked about the secret event that he attended where all the people talked about global cap and what are we going to do about global cap and how are we going to fight global cap? And they created this super secret DM thread basically is what it was. They created an organization that was communicating via DM or Slack or Skype or whatever thread they were using to organize. So here's where we're at. <laughs> CJ says, and this was on September 20th. He wrote the other one on like the 11th. Mm. I've been excommunicated from Michael Schellenberger's global anti-censorship movement. It's my own fault. <laughs> I was sowing dissension. I engaged in harmful That's speech. Attention. I engaged in harmful speech in the group chat. I was making people feel uncomfortable. I was not playing ball. I was not with the program. So damn tongue-in-cheek. I swear I love this guy so much. The program, as you may recall was launched in Westminster, London in June when Mike and Matt Taibbi and Russell Brand exposed the censorship industrial complex. And here is the event that, of course, took place, like they said, in June for 35 pounds sterling a head. My readers recall this piece I published about the secret gathering of journalists. Hey, we referred to that. All right. Authors, artists, academics, activists. How much is 35 pounds? Is that what it was? About 50 bucks. If I remember correctly. Yeah. So right. less than a hundred bucks. Got it. <laughs> I don't know anybody that charges a hundred dollars <laughs> for an event. I don't know anybody. Maybe, no maybe Mr. Jazz president. No activists would do that. Um, um, so No, they would never, especially one that likes Curtis Mayfield. They would never. So like CJ not says. Not ever. And Coltrane. This is shit. great. I couldn't say too much about it at the time as we were operating under strict OPSEC protocols and had taken oaths of silence and so on, which being excommunicated, <laughs> I'm no longer bound by. Now, I'm still going to be a little cagey, mm -hmm. however, as there are a lot of people still involved in Mike's movement who I like and respect, and I don't want to harm them with my dissension sewing any more than necessary. Also, before, <laughs> before I make fun of Mike... And share my somewhat more serious thoughts about how not to launch a free speech movement. I want to make it clear that I still support... <laughs> In quotation. Yes. That I still support this campaign and any other anti-censorship campaign, regardless of how flawed or superlicious it may be. Superlicious. Supercilious. Superlicious. Fragalicious. XBL. What? Yeah. Um, Fergie Yep. I knew where you were going. Um, I knew where you were going. Yeah. All right. So let's get down to it, shall we? Mike's movement is preparing to publish a declaration. 
It's a good declaration. I contributed to it. I signed it. Although my name will not appear on it now, as Mike has threatened to remove it if I published a piece like this. <laughs> Again, it's just like with the German prosecutor, I'm, I'm laying out a narrative here, folks. Mike is an extremely smart guy. <clears throat> Mike is an extremely smart guy, but he doesn't seem to get that I don't respond well to threats, or rather that this is how I respond to threats, or who knows? Maybe he actually wanted me to publish this piece and goaded me into it, which... I can see how that would be a shrewd PR move. In any event... Catch me outside, how about that? Right? In any event, it's a good declaration, or was the last time I had access to it. There's nothing wrong with the declaration. What has taken up most of the last three months of the coalition's time and energy and has led to my excommunication is the hunt for very important persons to be included as included as signatories when the declaration is released. I okay. call this I call this star fucking personally. Oh. And we got a lot of star fuckers in our space by the way. The apparently, more you know. Apparently, the way it works with such declarations that's a and a different star. And open letters, yes, that's a different star. The way it works with such letters and <laughs> declarations and open letters and so on is that you write up your declaration or letter and then you try to get selected big shots to sign it in order to make it look more impressive to, well, whoever you're trying to impress. The character mm -hmm. of your big shot signatories is critical because the media and the court of public opinion and your potential major philanthropic backers, philanthropic backers, are going to judge oh, you by the about the money Lebowski are going to judge you by the company you keep Mike's anti-censorship coalition I see you see where we're going here sir Mike's anti-censorship coalition has been carrying out this process by consensus under the watchful eye and firm hand of Mike how convenient Mike is not the leader of this coalition which is totally leaderless and democratic of course He's just the facilitator who explains the objectives, makes the final decisions, polices people's speech, and excommunicates suppressive persons who dis whose dissension sowing threatens to disrupt the atmosphere of mutual respect that Mike feels he needs to maintain in the group chat. I feel a little bit attacked, but at the same time, that is poetry. No. That's poetry right there. That makes sense. Yes. Mike has a little control freak problem. I don't know what he means by that. Many non-leader... <laughs> this is where you feel personally attacked again? I, um. Many non-leader leaders of movements do. Yep. If you've ever been involved in political activism, you know what I mean. If you haven't, count your blessings. Thank you, sir. Anyway. Non-leader leaders. Anyway. Leader, leader. Leader. Doctor. <laughs> Doctor. Glad I'm not sick. I'm glad I'm not sick. <laughs> Jinx. Oh. RIP to Bob Hope. And I bet you didn't hear that on YouTube hey. today, anywhere <laughs> yeah. else. No. Ship to Bob Hope. Anyway. The goat. The getting back to CJ, because we have another <laughs> article still to get to. And it's a long one. Yeah. The hunt for VIP signatories has been awkward due to A, the need to maintain the appearance of decision by consensus, 
in the coalition's totally non-hierarchical group chat. B. <laughs> Concern among various coalition members, including divisive VIPs, quote unquote, and see Mike's behind the scenes machinations. For example, at one point, I offered to contact one of the only VIPs I know to ask him for help with further VIP outreach. Mike jumped into the chat and quashed that idea as I had made it clear that I was not willing to try to dictate this very important person who he should and should not reach out to on our behalf. Days or weeks later, I can't remember exactly, one of Mike's employees wrote to me sub rosa and gave me the secret go-ahead from Mike. So I reached out to this VIP, who then reached out to some other VIPs, many of whom were happy to sign, and some of whom offered to help with further outreach. Hey, that sounds like a good thing, right? Panic broke out at Coalition HQ. Some of the very Panic. Some of the very important persons that my very important person had invited were potentially divisive persons who hadn't been vetted by consensus on the coalition's VIP vetting spreadsheet. I kid you not. I kid you not. There's an actual spreadsheet. Again, personally attacked. Hey, spreadsheet. No, no, that's spreadsheets are the work of pocket protectors. You're okay. You know, I get it. Like, he's attacking nerd. He's spreadsheet nerd. nerd. I'm proud to be a nerd. <laughs> so I was asked to reach out to my VIP and instruct him to cease and desist with further outreach before he reached out to further divisive persons who might reach out to further divisive persons, at which point everything might spin out of control. Needless to say, I declined to do that. <laughs> if you're wondering about... <laughs> Exactly who qualifies as a divisive person in the coalition? Well, certainly not very important persons like Richard Dawkins, who in 2021 compared folks who refused the COVID vaccines to faith heads releasing rattlesnakes in supermarkets, but later admitted that mistakes may have been made. Uh-huh. Or fanatical new normalist, Slavoj Zizek, and I hate saying that name. Zizek. Zizek. God bless you. Here's a quote from God bless you. Um. The catch is that even if life <laughs> does eventually return to some semblance of normality, it will not be the same normal as the one we experienced before the outbreak. Quote, things were used as part we used to do as part of daily life will no longer be taken for granted. We will have to learn to live a much more fragile life with constant threats. We'll be, we will have to change our entire stance to life as to our existence, uh, to our existence as living beings among other forms of life. Man, did this guy get fear mongered to shit, right? Yeah. So then you can watch him extremely worked up in support of the COVID vaccine <laughs> mandates. Oh, that face. And mocking people who care about silly things like their personal bodily autonomy with Bree Joy Gray in 2021. Hey, look, I didn't blank out the Bad Faith logo with an INN logo, but I could have. VIPs like Dawkins and Zizek are not divisive. They are very important A-list persons who are committed to universal human rights and freedom of speech. And all that kind of totalitarian and lockdown and segregate and segregate and censor everyone because of a virus with a 99.8% survival rate. 
No, we're not eugenicists, which in this case, you know, is Saint fucking Kyle. Russell Brand, however, is definitely divisive. You remember Russell Brand, right? We all remember Russell Brand. You're frozen, Reef. We, no. we might we might be ignorant to misogyny and and sexual assault. You know, we, we might be. Someone said um, we we all remember Russell Brand yeah, we, from that poster yep. advertising the big event in London, don't you? Well, here's our friend Russell Brand today. No bueno. He's got some accusations out there. So the Russell Brand cancellation op was what sealed my fate with Mike's free speech movement. I have been holding my notes for quite a while. For example, I never opposed having people like Dawkins and Zizek on the signatories list as I understood the PR logic. Yeah. And I was praying none of the coalition members would bring up the revelations, as one of them put it. But the odds of that not happening were poor. Sure enough, someone brought Brand up, and someone checked, and he had been asked to sign on, but as of Saturday, he hadn't responded, at least not according to the VIP vetting spreadsheet, the famously VIP vetting spreadsheets. See, so, they're useful. Well, exactly, because it said that he had not responded, so that was obviously a huge relief. Right. However... What if he responded now and wanted to sign, i.e. post-revelations? Should yeah. he still be allowed to? A risk assessment. A risk assessment sure. was suggested. He says, and uh -huh. I, and okay, I got a little snarky and proposed that we skip the risk assessment and all the other PR strategizing bullshit and just uphold the principles we're claiming to defend. Right, isn't that hard? Whereupon, Mike uh -huh. Schellenberger needed to reach me urgently, presumably to shout at me and threaten me again. I had had an earlier such phone call from Mike when I criticized his sucking up to Elon Musk and suggested Elmo. that it made a... Uh, sorry, yes, Elmo. That is me, Elmo! And suggested, fuck you, Elmo, that it made us <laughs> look not quite neutral. Mike called me at home apoplectic. I love that word, apoplectic. That is one of my favorite words. That time. Apoplectic. 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 It just, it's so. Ah! Rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Right? Apoplectic. Say that five times fast. And threatened to kick me. Apoplectic. At that apoplectic. Point, apoplectic. At that point, when he yelled it, when he yelled at Michael, when Michael yelled at him about criticizing Michael about Elmo, he threatened to kick him out of the club. But nothing I couldn't handle. Yep. I've known a lot of control freaks in my day, and Mike has done and is still doing a lot of great work. And we all have our character flaws, don't we? Anyway, I wasn't in the mood for another screaming, threatening conversation with Mike, as I was still at my friend's converted monastery in Italy, which we talked about before, and I finally had a peaceful day That's to myself. Lovely. He had to side note that the Italian workmen who are jackhammering big holes in the monastery walls don't work on the weekends, so apparently... It's not so peaceful. Oh, it's there. a me, a Geppetto. I jackhammer the walls, but not on the weekends. Geppetto, weekends you mean? I go to my wife. Pino Pinocchio's yeah. <laughs> puppet master? Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's his general Italian name. So I, so I decided that I would call him back later, and next thing I knew, I was excommunicated. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! As he's... He's using the excommunicated language because he's literally staying in a monastery, which I just. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm not I'm a patriot feely. I'll give right? you last rites. Oh, yeah. yes. Well, we'll, 
We'll get to that during boats. Yeah. I'm not a professional <laughs> movement builder, but I'm pretty sure this is not how you do it. I don't mean my excommunication. I mean the suffocating top-down micromanagement, the PR strategizing, the VIP idolatry, and the paranoia about alienating mainstream people who are going to be alienated anyway, regardless of how many Hollywood celebrities and Harvard professors you dangle in their faces. <laughs> I don't want to dangle VIP anybody. Idolatry. Dollar, not the Dollar Tree. No, it's idolatry. <laughs> you are member. You are committed yeah, idolatry. But <laughs> I don't want to see anything dangled in anybody's faces, really. But the simple fact is, playing by the rules of the <sighs> system and the reality you claim to be opposing is a recipe for failure, or worse than failure, a diversion—the simulation of success, which is where I'm afraid Mike's movement is headed. Movements are not PR campaigns. Yes, of course, some PR is involved, but the masses are not your employees, and they aren't CGI extras in your narcissistic movie. They're actual living, breathing people. Damn! Yeah, they are. People who do not need us to lead them. Basically, the masses don't give a shit what Richard Dawkins and Slavoj Zizek endorse. The editors of... Zizek. The editors of respected publications like the New Yorkers and the New York Times give a shit, but the masses don't give a shit about them. If you're going to build a movement to oppose the censorship industrial complex, which Mike claims he wants to do at some point, you're going to have to alienate some of your friends and colleagues in normal world and get your hands dirty and connect with the masses or the people that no one has ever heard of, as Mike calls them. Again, I'm going to repeat that one because that seems like it's kind of important. Michael Schellenberger referring to Unity the normies. Unity doesn't represent what you're against. It represents what you are for. The people that no one has ever heard of. And let's continue on that theme. The people that no one has ever heard of are not stupid. They know the difference between a serious anti-censorship campaign and a vanity project. There's still time for Mike to turn Who this thing around. Oh, I don't know. There's still time for Mike to turn this thing around, let go of the reins, stop sucking up to the mainstream establishment, and reach out to the masses. Honestly, I hope he will. I wish him and the London gang success. There are millions of people out there who would get on board with a grassroots campaign opposing the censorship industrial complex. But to get them on board, you have to let go of the wheel and let them steer the ship. Let Jesus drive. Take the wheel. The irony, here it is, is the irony <laughs> is when you're building a movement, when you know you're succeeding is when you lose control of it, when the movement doesn't need you to lead it, when it starts moving in directions you never imagined and starts doing things you never intended. But you can't get there if you suffocate it in its infancy. If you're so obsessed with maintaining control that you snuff out every idea and impulse that doesn't conform to your vision of it. Again, I feel personally attacked a little bit, but I try not to not to go that extreme like this. And those that are in INN certainly would hopefully agree with in me. That, but we'll in that see. list of words coming up, you can just not say a few of them. I, list maybe. of names. You'll, you'll get there. Yeah, I know. You know, you can just yeah. skip a few. Yeah. So Mike means well. Uh -huh. I know what you mean. Mike means well. He's got a yeah. good heart. And, and, and he's a fighter, of which all of which I respect. I can hope that he learn, can learn that lesson quickly. Perhaps the thing he set in motion will teach it to him as things progress. We certainly could do with an actual global anti 
censorship grassroots movement. I hope Mike nice. and the gang, I hope Mike and the gang can unclench their anal sphincters a bit and get us there. So colorful, so colorful and descriptive. Oh, and regarding Russell Brand, no. I don't know Russell Brand. I have no, I have absolutely no idea what he has or hasn't done, and neither do you probably, mm -hmm. which is not the point. Exactly. The point is that the global capitalist crackdown on dissent, which is in full swing. Russell Brand is just the latest head on a spike alongside the heads of Free Julian Assange, Bring Home Edward Snowden, mm. and I disagree mm. with all the other people that he lists on that on that list. However, Corbin, I can say in in some ways, Carlson, no, the Democrats have certainly persecuted Donald Trump, and that and Fox News has yeah, he got kicked off Twitter, and and Fox News is keeping him off the air, Carlson off the air until after the election. Now he also says that they're greasing up a spike for Booby Kennedy's head, which I disagree with. But also yeah, the head of, with him. but also the head of anyone else who challenges them, even people that no one has heard of, like CJ. Yep. And he thinks that Max Blumenthal, our friend over at the Gray Zone, Indie Media Award honoree, by the way, one of the best out there, subscribe to the to the Gray Zone. Max Blumenstein and Rubenthal. If Russell Brand had just made. The requisite celebrity pilgrimage to Zelensky and kept his mouth <laughs> shut about the Covidians, he would have dodged this bullet. Whatever the merits of allegations, yep. whatever the merits of the allegations might be, this much is obvious. Yeah, Sean Penn isn't getting any accusations thrown at him, and but you know, Max is the Russian. No. I love this this line. Okay, I want to blow this up because that's my favorite part of the article. Max Blumenthal, her C.J. Hopkins. Tongue-in-cheek, of course, is a Russian-sponsored, COVID-denying, conspiracy-theorizing, Trump-loving, transphobic, anti-Semitic Jew who raped his neighbor's hamster or whatever. Russian scum! Exactly. But then, who among us isn't these days? And I proudly stand alongside Max, CJ, and all of them. So, damn, I'm sorry I'm running long, y'all, but... um. I got, I, got a, I got another one to, to cover, and I wrote this one, so we're definitely going to cover this one. And I've been, so let me start by saying that Reef and I have been discussing, well, let, before we do that, I want to say hi to chat and say hi to our friends that are there. Golden Monarch, I like your new Golden Monarch. Crab is saying, this is why I love CJ, as do I. So, so dry of nuance. Yes, it is. And he's also so yeah. dry of such sarcasm that it practiced, you know, the snarkometer. I know Glenn has the snarkometer that Turncoat Don has. CJ would destroy the snarkometer even more so than Glenn does. Um, before we continue, I also want to give a shout out to our friend Pasta Jardula over at the Convo Couch and his new movie, Lahaina Burning. And the trailer music played by our friend Jesse Jett. Where the Kings of Colony, good. the Kings of Colony is featured at the end. So, so love to Pasta, love to Jesse. So happy to see our friends producing such great stuff and working together to amplify independent media. All right, uh, boats. Yes, we're gonna have boats later. Kye for sure. We're gonna have boats. How much though? Any non-super packs? I think we're talking about greens, and they're talking about Cornell West. Yes. 
Zizek is an idiot and a very b- verbose one. Thank you, Spooky. Agreed. Zizek. You're, you're, you're Sabby sunk her battleship on Friday. Uh, I don't know whose battleship. Oh, Claudia Dela They're talking Cruz. about that DSA lady. Really? Yeah. She's not DSA. She's she's PS, PSL. Close, close enough. Um, Mom and dad fight. Goldman Sachs in the PSL. Oh, shit. That's why. Dr. Nick's got it. Uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Democracy simply doesn't work. There are more gaming servers than crypto servers. They're talking about discords. Okay. You down with OPP? No, no, you don't know me. Yeah, no. you know me. Yep. I mean, and but PSL. not really. PSL two. Oh man, I know about I know about the uh, the People's Forum and and their donation, but you know, look, people's elbow, and maybe even code code pink. Anyone? Anyone? Sorry, I uh, didn't say that. Maybe I did. Okay. Anyway. Or like code red. Anyway, so Reef and I have been talking about the platform Rumble, and Reef loves to talk about platforms. We know you so, are fake news. Well, that that is that has been Reef's contention from day one. Is that there's a lot of fake views on Rumble. Um. So this week and before that. Somebody had posted that they were going to move over to Rumble over on Substack Notes. And that, and I'm going to include, I'll tell you exactly what inspired me and how I got motivated to write this. But for months and months and months, we've been on Rumble now. We're going to tell that story, how long and everything. So you know what? Let me just get into it. Rumble's fake views? Really? Is it? I don't know. So, an honest... A YouTube rival. So what is Rumble? They're a YouTube rival. Everyone in chat here really knows about Rumble. You probably watch some stuff on Rumble. We're streaming live to Rumble right now, actually, among other platforms. People love to talk about it, but how many are actually using it? So here's what we're going to do. Is this fake views? Shout out to Cram for the thumbnail. You are fake views. So let's talk about Rumble. You are fake news. As someone who's been amplifying and creating anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist, independent media for the last few years, I've seen YouTube censor plenty of creators. Channels and people I watch have been demonetized, like the Convo Couch and others. Others have been temporarily suspended for TOS violations that are never clear, including Indie News Network themselves. A few were outright kicked off YouTube and had their channels and content erased. Like, I know Jimmy Young has had like four channels knocked out and T-Lav has had a bunch of channels taken out, and they're coming for the independent review, too. I have 70 alternative accounts! <laughs> Every time that happens, um, they are, there, are, there are inevitably a bunch of people who suggest they switch to Rumble, which is also Wall Street-owned like YouTube. I wanted to mention that. All right. But has positioned itself as much more hesitant to censor content and creators than YouTube. I also want to say that. Rumble, in addition to Rockfin and Odyssey, are three lesser-known platforms that cater to political independence, those who question government narratives, and video creators and publishers who fight the corporate media apparatus. Rumble has developed itself a reputation for catering to right-wingers. But a platform is is only comprised by the creators who choose to publish to it. I've heard similar accusations thrown at Odyssey and at BitChute. 
another video platform that refuses to censor creators. We have channels on all three platforms yep. for both Indie Left Media, right? As well as Indie News Network. I think Twitter automatically blocks uh, one of those, isn't it? BitChute? I believe it, it marks BitChute links as unsafe. Yeah. All, of them, all of them have their benefits, drawbacks, idiosyncrasies, and challenges to work with as a content creator. So I wanted to write this from the perspective of someone that would not normally write this and give a little inside baseball with it as well. None of these three come even close to the number of viewers, engagement, or chat volume as YouTube for the same stream. Because we, sit, we stream simultaneously there. Right now we've got more than 30 people watching on YouTube, and I can tell you that we don't have that many watching over on Rumble or Rockfin. Or an Odyssey, we don't stream live. Whatever. Whatever. That too. Yes. And the links are, of course, there. <laughs> okay. Our Rockfin channel, shout out to rockfin.com slash news, has over 4,000 followers, yet YouTube crushes Rockfin in views despite only 1,850 YouTube subscribers. Funny, but our Rumble channel, which only has about 750 followers consistently somehow rivals or beats the YouTube beats the YouTube in terms of live stream view counts. Now I have full disclosure here that I have no insider knowledge here. I don't own shares of rumble stock. I probably should have disclosed that somewhere too. I'm not an owner or a shareholder. I have no stake other than as a creator. The only evidence of what's happening I have are my eyes, ears, observations, logic, and stats from my own channels, which we're going to share here, plus whatever's public. And I've got some public information that we pulled as well. Now, to be completely honest, I didn't really want to write this post at all. I like Rumble, but it was inspired by my buddy Rich Slutsky, who writes a substack, by the way, lies, counter uh, counterspin, lies, spin, lies, and counterspin. I don't know. I'll, I'll put the link in the chat. Rich is awesome. Subscribe to him on substack and notes. He has the uncanny ability to inspire the following process. One, find an issue that's important to me. Then he peels at a scab that I've been seeing that few others seem to see, talk about, or care about, which in this case, people seem to not really care about, but I still think it's important. Three, inspire me to wax rhapsodic about it on notes and in a reply to him. Then realize that this really belongs in an article or even a series because it's too long. And then go to my dashboard and open up create posts. So here we are. And here's his note. And I'm going to open this up. Oh, I don't have to open it. Good. So it says, headline figures. Rumble lost nearly $60 million in the last six months. And he wrote this in September. And that was over for the first half of 2022. Rumble video counts may not be entirely accurate due to pre-roll pre loops counting as views. Huh. I found this very interesting. Also, Rumble is wasting money on exclusive contracts. And it isn't profitable because of this. So Rich's tag was actually to the founders, co-founders of Substack. It says, so fellows, what are some things Substack can take away from this critique of Rumble? I'm looking to the last point mostly, that Rumble seems too focused um, on securing legacy figureheads with lucrative contracts. I see parallels in your Substack election, and I would hate for you to go the way of the Rumble bird. That's funny. Instead of the dodo bird, the rumble bird. So 
Like I said, this inspired me. And I, and I replied, and it started me thinking, and I opened this up. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Isn't that later? No, that's It's Time. Right, that's his, <laughs> that's his brother. That's Michael Buffer, by the way. Not, that's his brother. Right, that's not, Michael Buffer. Not yeah. Bruce. Did you not realize that? Yeah. Okay. No, I, I know that. It was just you. Why did it? Pause that. Uh, anyway. Well, that's cool. Uh, finished it out. So I have lots of feelings about Rumble. And they must be doing something right because as I'm writing this, and this is what I wanted to talk about, the Associated Press, the narrative managers for the establishment, just published a hit piece about them and the content they refused to censor, mostly around the coordinated hit against Russell Brand and Rumble's refusal to demonetize and deplatform him at the request and behest and demand of the UK Parliament. Yeah. The corporate yep. media and the establishment used the Associated Press. Now, this was on the night of the Republican presidential debate, the second one, and they published Base. an article about, and here's the article, and I'm going to give it one second of view time because I don't want to give it much light, but RNC's live streaming partner is a haven for disinformation and extremism. All right, I'm going back. I'm getting rid of that nonsense and garbage. Now, who is Rumble? I'm going to give you a real assessment from someone who's been using it, from someone who's heard all the smears and all the garbage and uses it every day and actually watches content on Rumble. I'm one of the few that actually does, and he can attest to it. I watch on Rumble. I watch on Rockfin. I use the alternate platforms that I actually subscribe to and tell others to practice what I preach. They're a publicly traded company on the New York Stock Exchange. Stock symbol RUM. And what's cool is that if you put a dollar sign RUM in a Substack post and hit space, it'll actually pull in the growth on the thing or, you know, the last whatever. They sell themselves as an anti-YouTube champions of free speech. This is the description in, on, you, on Yahoo Finance is that they operate on in the U.S. and Canada and internationally. They're Canadian-based. They operate Rumble.com platform, which where users can subscribe to channels to stay in touch with creators, access video on demand, and live content streamed by creators. Sounds like YouTube. It also operates Locals.com, a subscription platform for creators and subscribers to engage through video on demand, podcasts, live chat, polls, and community discussions, and the Rumble Advertising Center, an online advertising management exchange, which is also something they've launched this year. The company was founded yeah, in 2013. Mm -hmm. Public, pretty much. That's, well, that's what we're... Well, yes, they're public, and they started appearing on my radar about two years ago when they signed a deal with Glenn Greenwald, Matt Orfala, and others. I signed up for a free profile that day and started uploading content there. So here's Matt's mm. tweet where he tagged the wrong thing that day, and I actually replied and said, I'm signing up. I was actually a premium Patreon subscriber to Matt, so I had that right away. That same day, like I said, an article entitled that was back in 2021, August of 2021, that got Rumble a lot of light. Also from the Washington Post this time, again, from the narrative management establishment that's creating their own enemy. An article entitled yep. Rumble, a YouTube rival popular with conservatives will pay creators who challenge the status quo was published in the Washington Post. And it gave a lot of light to the announcement. Like I said, that was Glenn Greenwald. Yep. We, we covered... We covered that they were going to uh, have 
Rumble was going to be the only place with the Republican debates, too. We covered it a long time ago. Live exclusively on INN News. Put it on Rumble. No, live on INN News. No, that's not true. But anyway, Rumble acquired locals, like we said. Is it on the YouTube? It is on. It's on YouTube. I don't know if we put it up on YouTube. We might have. I'm pretty pretty sure you put it up as a clip on YouTube. Maybe. I remember we, we that was the week we had we were off of YouTube because of Oh, the- maybe not. Yeah. I think we got it all up there, but a couple months after I, I signed up did. for a free account in October of 2021, Rumble acquired Locals, which is a Substack like competitor. So they offer a newsletter and a website that forces creators to paywall all their content for 19.99 a month each subscriber. Now, as it turns out, I'm not correct on that. They can, the content creator does control how much they charge and lee camp actually reached out to me and said you know mine's like six dollars a month it was five dollars a month last year which i believe is the minimum but locals attracted personalities like tulsi gabbard kim iverson and nico house early on in 2019 and 20. Hmm? you know who started locals by the way dave fucking um, rubin dave rubin founded locals oh that makes sense it allowed Back portnoy not Portnoy, no, Dave Rubin. Like former TYT douchebag turned conservative Dave Rubin, like, who has a big Rumble sandwich platform. man. By the way, why do you think he's pushed so heavily on Rumble? Because he built locals, which they yep. bought from him, and he's probably got a board seat or some kind of stake. Anyway. Hmm. Rumble, I'm, I'm sorry, locals allowed creators to have a more intimate conversation with their fans since everyone was paying to be there. I am not a fan of this model as it only works if you have a following willing to shell out 20 bucks a month for your content. And most smaller creators don't. Looks like you can set your monthly as low as five, but there is no free tier option for subscribers. Now, Lee, again, claims that there is plenty of free content available on his locals. Most of the content creators on locals do not make a lot of content free or it's really old. And then I, I, I link to the latest webpage catering to creators and reminding people that since acquisition, Glenn has moved exclusively to, to locals from Substack, locals. abandoning it. Okay. He's likely also a big investor in Rumble, though I am speculating and I don't have data on that. I'm guessing they've given him options, yeah. shares, etc. <laughs> which gives him stake and in the And then they also the own platform. Colin, right? Well, that's the thing. They they acquired Colin earlier this year, this past May. They announced that they were moving into the podcast space which is a natural complement to the video and locals platforms. This time it was PayPal Mafia uh, member David Sachs, his buddy, uh, Peter Thiel's buddy. Peter Thiel's one of the people who put the finance deal together for Rumble. Call-in was the target this time. They were paying creators to publish audio call-in shows with fans over the web and mobile apps. Um, Sachs was given a board seat as part of the deal. It remains to be seen how this new acquisition is going to be integrated with Rumble, video, and locals. But... I speculate on that. So now that we've established who Rumble is, back to Rich's post, reminding people of what happened corporate-wise. But a $60 million loss in six months is a massive burn rate. Not sure how long they can sustain and stay in business before running out of money. Huge. Now that the establishment is after them, they're pressuring advertisers to leave the platform, and Burger King's already caved, And likely, there will not be many banks or VCs with open wallets thanks to their unwillingness to play ball with NATO and censor a creator at their behest. Now, I wanted to call attention Mm. to this 
This is where people are pulling this loss of $60 million. This is net income for the quarters ended Q2 and Q1 of 2023. All right. So they lost almost $30 million in, in the first half of this year, or in the first quarter, second quarter of this year, and almost $29 million in the first quarter of this year. Now, and that's a spreadsheet. No, it's not. It's actually an income statement. Spreadsheets. It's an income statement. Whatever, close enough. Someone so, made it in a spreadsheet originally. I'm going to give you my <laughs> you assessment know. of here's here's the good, the bad, and the huh? I like Rumble overall, overall as a live wow. streaming platform. I am hopeful for its future. They've been responsive when I've asked them for help. They're improving it regularly. They're listening to the creator's feedback. They'll back up your YouTube channel automatically, which is nice, but has issues of its own. Because if you stream to both Rumble and YouTube, your YouTube stream then backs up to your Rumble channel, and then you've got duplicates of your streams. They definitely have holes technically, but they seem to know where they are and have a roadmap to address them. Rumble has been busy spending money on tech for sure. In the past year, they've introduced a new interface on the desktop version. They launched new mobile apps for Samsung TVs, among others, as well as upgrades to their mobile app. They've built two studios in South Florida, in Miami and Longboat Key. Mm -hmm. They launched supporter badges and monthly subscriptions with, by the way, 100% creator rev share through the end of this year. If you subscribe to our Rumble channel, and we do have the ability to have somebody subscribe to our Rumble channel, nobody does, but you can. They also launched the ability earlier this year to offer pay-per-view, which they did with a Russell Brand comedy special. And then earlier this month, they launched the beta release of the Rumble Cloud, which you can learn all about. I linked the, all these press releases there. They're also financially focused on signing exclusive content creators. Like Substack, they get involved in elevating content creators and paying them for exclusivity. Ben Greenwald, Russell Brand, Kim Iverson, and others like Viva Fry have been paid large sums of money by Rumble to build studios and produce exclusive content for the platform. Per the Washington Post article two years ago, the company declined to provide financial details, but Greenwald said the top creators' year-long contracts will pay in the mid-range six figures. That expired in August of 22. So they had to re-up somebody mm. last year and then re-up somebody the year after. However, just this year, they've announced more Rumble exclusives, including Dave Rubin, Donald Trump Jr., Redacted News, Recchietta Law. Again, they've made public PR um, press releases with each one of these. Bob Mennery, oh. Steven Crowder was a really big one because Crowder abandoned YouTube and went exclusively to Rumble. DJ Academics. Dion, the first Republican pri presidential primary debate, and then these other guys I've never heard of that are gamers. So they've been going after I, gamers. Kaisen at well, Kaisen at Kaisen at I show speed, uh, Rice Gum, Phase Kazen. Phase is going to be definitely gamer, right? I don't know what game he plays. I have issues with Rumble too. Professional shit. The elevation of channels like Dana White's slap fight or power slap and the political oh. agenda they push. Do I really need an alert? This era is Don King. Do I really need an alert every time Donald Trump gives a speech? No. Are they really just a I platform? Mean, hey, are they really just what? a platform if they're picking winners? 
You can read all about Don't it be below. Rude. Yeah, I know. Don't be rude. Yep. I have it too. You can read all about it on this post below, which I published on 9-11, and Reef covered on INN News, which was talking about at 2 Substack. Yes, at 2 Substack. Yep. Now, I'm going to get a little technical. A a this is this is for the real Latin. live streaming geeks in the chat, uh, those that actually do, but I want to explain some of the challenges that we encounter that make Rumble difficult for people to want to work with and use. So for the past year, every live stream that everyone has ever done has been issued a unique, what they call an RTMP key. That's a URL and password that they then need to plug into their streaming software app. Like we're using a software called OBS each time before going live. Why does this matter? Well, a no other platform has this. They issue what's called static keys. So basically we set up the key and we set up a plug into the channel once. And then all we have to do is turn it on when we're ready to go live and nothing more needs to be done except setting up the live stream at these alternate platforms. But we never need to make another connection, which is what has oh, to happen gotta, here. An extra step that you got to go click, go live and Rockfin. You Anytime do. you want to figure that out, Rockfin, where that just automatically works. That'd be great. Our friend Big Bad Crab has trouble with the with the stream key and remembering to do that. I'll I'm gonna call him out. Uh, anyway, this is yet another extra step which can only be completed once the Rumble stream has first been set up. Rumble then provides you with the RTMP key, which you then have to go back and plug into your streaming app. And oh yeah, by the way, you can only create a new stream within 24 hours of going live, which is a whole other challenge in itself. I could not schedule this stream on Friday night, even though I had this everything else scheduled everywhere else. I couldn't do it because you have to wait 24 hours out. I said, also, it's clunky. People have trouble figuring out or they just don't bother. So no integration with StreamYard and Restream. A lot of content creator streamers use those two apps, one of those two apps, in order to stream out. Restream, and definitely. What that means, we use Restream here. A lot of them use StreamYard, but outside of the above mentioned dynamic RTMP key, all right, so what it means is that you need to first create a stream in both Rumble and Restream to connect the two. It doesn't have any live chat integration. I actually have to have Rumble chat and Rockfin chat separate on separate screens in order to be able to show them separately because they're not integrated with Restream chat. It eliminates the potential for combined stream analytics. How many people were actually watching across all the platforms? You don't know unless you look and compile that manually yourselves. The data becomes very fragmented to gauge total viewer engagement across all platforms. There's also no pushing of title and description from StreamYard and Restream, which you can set up. And the way that that works is it's supposed to be a central hub to push out your stream and all the data that goes with it from one place. So if you catch a typo, it's then got to be changed in all the places where you put that instead of just in Restream, which would then push out. Now, all three alternative platforms mentioned at the top have this issue in some way, shape or form. In all fairness, Rockfin, Rumble, Odyssey, all three, you have to create the stream separately, then go back and make a Restream, which is what I do. There's also in Rumble, no analytics about viewer behavior while live, like how much time they average spent on stream there are no playlists or a way to organize your videos and live streams though we hear that's coming and a static rtmp come it, it is supposedly coming for creators too they also have no shorts or vertical video capability yet though they announced something like that was coming a while back 
No word since. What I also find interesting is that they have this developer documentation. This it has everything about how to actually use and run Rumble. But you wouldn't know it. This should be the how-to help screen, but it's not. You had to, I had to dig to find this. And I was like, wow, I wish I had this like a month and a half ago. This would have been really helpful. Amazingly enough. I mean, or they could have used um, this, this classic tutorial. Uh, hey, listen. You know, whenever you, whenever you needed, needed to be told what to do. Right. Their mobile app, amazingly enough, when we're looking at our page, has no ability to share the page to social media. There's no share button on your page. You have to go into an individual video. But, hey, if I just want to share, hey, subscribe to our page, there's no way to do that on the mobile app. Unbelie unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, Speaking of, with, with them getting Trump Jr. <laughs> and Trump, you might as well add Trump. People are like... But you just said Trump. How could you say two? Because there's another Trump. Mm -hmm. Plays Hearthstone. Uh, big Twitch guy. Um, just get him too. I I, I don't I don't well. know who you're, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't. Yeah, it's anyway. okay. Do you even know what Hearthstone is? No. It's a game, right? Is it? A no. Game? No. It is a game. Yep. Now I said but that by I'm, the world of Warcraft, people, it's a Blizzard Entertainment, it's a card game, and you put the cards down. And, yeah. But as I, I indicate here again, I'm also confused at how Rumble plans to integrate locals and call-in, though the potential could rival and even eclipse Substack with public video fully integrated into and, and embedded into a locals article. Because you can't do that right now with Substack. You have to put a screen cap and link to it now here's where we finally get to the fake views sorry i'm taking so long everyone but yep. we love the youtube no, you're good the spiffing brit all right he's a gamer who likes to break yep. games i'm drinking yorkshire gold right now in fact nice okay spiffing brit likes yep. to break games he likes to find exploits and then he likes to make videos about it and we laugh and we laugh and we laugh but he also loves to find platform exploits this recent one about YouTube live streams and multiple tabs and windows open and refreshing may or may not be relevant here, mm -hmm. but I wanted to include it anyway. So again, when we're done, go and watch this video. Told you this is in depth. I go deep. And thanks to refund. Thanks to refund the spiffing Brit. What do we got? Right click that video. Put it in chat. Ah, um, that's a good idea. Right click there. Copy, copy link. link address. Yes, sir. Proud of you. Uh, that was easy. Thank you. Oh, my God. I agree with Rich and others view that Rumble's view numbers are certainly in question. What do they consider to be a, a view exactly? Rumble just added a unique views the other day to its stats and versus raw views. But what's the difference? They don't tell anyone. Are they saying that people watch twice? Rich linked a video in did his we, post from this guy named Jose on YouTube, right? Did we um talk about what that spiffing crit was about? A little, a little bit, which again, yes, it says that YouTube live streams and multiple YouTube tabs and windows streams. open. So what he's saying is, is that he's that able guy, to show more people. He open. Also, that stream oh my God. where they talked about in the video where he talked about having the. So the whole stream was a, a thing in and of itself where he like. He scheduled the stream. Like. 
three, four weeks in advance or whatever after putting out a video like, hey, watch this stream. Go make sure you do this. And then he would constantly like move the time to be like, yeah, this is like, you know, next Tuesday. And then next Tuesday would come out and be like, it's next Wednesday. Like, so it would literally accrue these views every time because it re every time he changed the time, it would republish like eight hours before the video. Like, and then he would just do it again. He'd go back and move the time. Like, he was a genius. And oh yeah, by the way, uh, there's live stream chat open the entire time and people are chatting and he's, and he's telling them to like it. And as it turns out, he's... Let me go back here. He is running a one second video on the live stream. Oh, dude, just watch it. Right. It is to like nah. advertise it. It's so yeah, good. His YouTube exploits are it's amazing. so good. He, bro he broke the he broke the algorithm. He does it all the time. He's amazing. But so good. But I'm gonna get back to this article, which talks again about yeah. um, this guy Jose. He put up a video about how Steven Crowder's Rumble's numbers are fake. And his case basically breaks down to these six points. Number one was that he was getting fewer than 2 million views per stream on YouTube most of the time before he signed exclusively with Rumble. He then went on hiatus, which is bad for a channel's momentum, but concedes that Rumble was promoting his channel after leaving YouTube. Now, his statistics show that Rumble viewers are one-sixth as likely to leave a comment on, which was also reflected in his numbers, on, in Crowder's numbers. Except mm -hmm. that if his Zero audience, engagement. Except if his audience was coming over from YouTube, why wouldn't they also chat on Rumble, save for having to set up an account? It makes no sense if the same people uh -huh. are coming over. The pre-roll video yep. seems to be picking up a lot of views themselves, similarly to what the spiffing Brit did. The pre-roll before they actually went live. Waiting for the stream to start, but should that really count as a live stream view? Quote, I'm pretty confident in saying that Crowder's live stream debut counts and possibly other streamers on Rumble are being boosted by counting views of people waiting for the stream to start. By the way, we had 100 viewers tonight on this stream before we went live on Rumble. Yep. A sample of two weeks for Ben Shapiro and Tim Pool's channels found that they had similar issues and it seems like users on Rumble just are not interested in leaving comments or liking and disliking videos. Or liking or disliking or subbing. What? Is here those three things? Red flag, red flag. And we know we asked you to. Right? So, I'm going to talk about something that I've been doing, which is that before we went on break, every morning I would take a clip of How Did We Miss That and I would loop it on Rumble live stream to Rumble and to Twitch on my channels only. You and your loops. Me and my loops, which rate which Reef hates. But I was trying to prove something, and I think I loops. did prove something. These are the above stream results from a clip that was run at 8 a.m. Eastern and played on loop 10 times as a live stream, a feature that restream, thankfully, empowers subscribers to take advantage of, extending the time that they're live. But what does that mean? This clip is only 12 minutes long. However, when it's looped 10x, we get 120 minutes, 120 minutes of stream time out of a 12-minute clip. Pretty good. If Rumble is pushing channels who are live to the top of feeds and subscriptions, as well as spotlighting live content, I have a much better chance of it being pushed to the top of news feeds as long as my video is live. 
Combine that with the understanding that the time the average person spends watching videos is about 10 to 15 minutes. So as long as I'm live during those 10 to 15 minutes, logic dictates there's a better chance my video will be shown than if I'm not live and I just upload the video. This has been my hypothesis and the thing that I have been trying to prove for months. Now, again, this is the Gordon video that, that we published, and it had 422 yep. unique views, 744 raw views. Uploads get almost no raw, views. Raw dog. Right? Versus the same thing live streamed, partially because the homepage for Rumble showcases whoever is live up top. You can see how prominently live appears at the top of the horizontal navigation bar on the desktop version, which remains static as you scroll down the page. The news and politics categories, by the way, aren't featured at all without scrolling to the right on the navigation bar or way down on the homepage. I've been categorizing this show as podcasts with the secondary category of trending news, but notice what's there. Mm -hmm. All right. Now here's the here's what's interesting. Here's that stream again from Gordon. 746 raw views, 424 unique. I uploaded the same video about like the day before I published this article and after 17 hours it had 13 views. Not hundreds of views. Uh-huh, but what's that is, one down at the down at the bottom? This was the one that I streamed on a loop for 2 hours. Two hours and one minute live. Oh, and it's got got 746 views? Yep. And and as a clip uploaded for 12 minutes, it was 24 views in comparison when you're sharing these. Mm. I uploaded, like I said, the same 12-minute clip to my Rumble channel last night as the one streamed on a loop above. It got nowhere near the views as the live version. So my question is, how do they count the views exactly? Well... My speculation is that when a user on the mobile app is scrolling through their feed, the preview of the video in the middle of the screen might be considered a view. Now, I took a screen cap of this. Notice that they don't show the average viewing time per person anywhere statistically. Watch the below short video of me scrolling Rumble and the Rumble mobile app. Is Rumble counting each time I stop and the video starts playing a view? Because I did it in about five times in about 30 seconds here. Watch this. So there's TNT. Then T-Lab starts playing. Then I scroll a little more. And Anti-War starts playing. Anti-War News with Dave DeCam. Subscribe to Anti-War News. Indie Media Award honoree, by the way. There's Russell Brand, Brand and Glenn Greenwald talking about Russell Brand. That's five videos already, right? In 33 seconds. That's everything. So that's my question. So something isn't computing here. And this is this is Reef's thing. Rumble view counts on live streams already rival or beat YouTube by as much as double. Yet the chat rate, likes, and comments are not commensurate with the number of people they claim are watching. Rumble is showing the raw views publicly, by the way, not the unique views. This bigger number. All right. So 
stream results. I'm looking here. This is the Indie Left Media Rumble channel. Now, we actually co-stream to both INN Rumble, INN YouTube, and my YouTube channel. So I have to combine those two things when I'm comparing it with what's going on on Rumble. When I do, you're seeing about 200 or about 180 unique views on YouTube and 20 likes and no comments. Um, I'm sorry, uh, 51 likes between them. So here are the results, mm. right? You've got 187 combined on YouTube versus 196 on unique rumble. The stark difference here is in the like count. 51 likes on YouTube compared with two likes on rumble. Two. On 472 views? How? Here's another one. INN's Randall Roundtable run a few weeks ago. Now, INN has a much larger subscriber base on YouTube. Yet, this was telling us that they had uh, 382 raw views versus 186 on YouTube. Even if you take the lower number and compare it, they're almost comparable. So again, what YouTube is showing me, or what, what Rumble is showing me, is that their numbers are almost the same as YouTube, and that's impossible. That's impossible! All right. Much more, much more engagement from the YouTube audience. Much more engagement from the YouTube audience. More likes. More live chats, too, by the way. Funny enough, this was the one stream where YouTube viewers was actually more than the Rumble unique users. Every other one, Rumble's beating YouTube. Here's another one yeah. from Nobody Wants to Work Anymore. Subscribe to INN to watch that exclusive show. Right now, we're running Thursday nights at 8 at 12... At 10.30 p.m. Wow, it's sweaty in here. A lot more views. 455 okay. raw views to 105. So, Rumble also, by the way, allows for third-party site video embedding and monetization, which would be helpful to Substack creators, like I said, that also publish to Rumble. I think they allow that to locals. But like I do, I always say follow the money. Rumble lost $10 million on average in the first six months of 2023 after losing over $40 million in the last three quarters of 2022. Add that up. To me, that's around $100 million in losses without counting Q3 of 2023 that ended yesterday, which is almost over and likely to burn another $30 million or more. According to the balance sheet below, they also raised almost $300 million last year. Looking at the difference in cash on hand from December 31st, 21 to December 31st, 22. So my question over how long do they have left? Well, they just got a massive infusion of cash. And here's the proof in the pudding right there. 46 million they had at the end of 2021, 337 million at the end of 2022. That's a difference of 290 million. My guess is that they got 300 and their burn rate already had started at 10 and they had already lost $10 million before they reported the end of the year. I said, they're going to likely have to cut that burn rate at some point. But hopefully it comes more from picking content winners than for paying and paying them for exclusivity, rather than at the expense of platform innovation and development and tech. But we all know how that always works. Right? What do you think? What do you, you got something to say there? 
Not really. I mean, follow the money. Well, here's the rest of the money. So much of it. Here's the rest of the money pr picture. If you're not getting paid for exclusive content by Rumble, unless you're getting a lot of Rumble rants, which I don't know of anyone other than maybe Jimmy Dore that is. Why? What the hell? Creators are not Why? making big money. And I can confirm this from RBN that's making almost nothing. Primo Radical famously left Rumble because in five months of producing content and putting all his content up, he had been paid a total of three cents by the platform. Unless they're being paid by a Rumble, by, for a Rumble exclusive show, my guess is that most of the creators on the platform are not making much, if at all. There is the ability for users to subscribe monthly or leave a one-time donation Rumble ramp, but based on the fractional level of engagement as YouTube, it doesn't seem possible that Rumble is paying out the, the same kind of revenue that most creators can survive on Rumble income the way some survive, or at least used to, on YouTube income from subscriptions and Super Chats. Anecdotally, I'm just going to show you how much INN has earned in all of 2023. $3.48. Call the accountant. Remember that Rumble also keeps 30% of live stream, live stream donations, rants, and starting in 2024, 30% of all monthly subscriptions too. Just like YouTube, by the way. Rockfin keeps 28% of the rate tokens donated. <clears throat> and there it is. You can see by month. Basically, we had one big month where we were we earned over 60 cents. Wow. Oh. Look out. Now, this is where I, I leave some unanswered questions and I want to that I would like to address, which is number number one, how much runway do they have left financially if they're currently burning 10 million a month and that burn rate has been accelerated this year? I don't want to continue to invest time in a platform that's not going to stick around. Number two, how do they count views and unique viewers? What if someone's logged in but watches on mobile and then switches to desktop? What about on the same desktop, but multiple browsers? Like opening Brave, Chrome, Firefox, and Edge, and tuning into the stream. Is that counted as four views? Because I believe it is. Also, does it count if a video previews for a second in scrolling newsfeed on mobile like we showed? And how do they determine how many people are watching live? I want to know. How long will they continue to pay big money for exclusive content from popular creators? And when they stop, what's going to happen then? What's the long-term plan to integrate call-in with Rumble and Locals? Will we see an integrated platform to eventually rival Substack? My guess is yes, but how long is it going to take them to get there? And what's Substack innovating in the process? Now, Substack is taking notes, which gives you a social aspect. Now, Rumble is a step behind when it comes to that, unless they acquire Blue Sky or Gab or one of these other Twitter-like type of atmospheres and try to integrate that. And then they're just playing copycat the Substack, by the way. They don't want to do that either. Will they play nicely with Substack, which is technically a competitor to locals, to allow for easy embedding of Rumble streams in Substack posts like YouTube does, allowing Rumble creators to monetize with ads on embedded vids on Substack? That would be nice. And it's why some people actually use Rumble. I know that Jason Burmis, for example, talked about being able to embed his video in the post-millennial 
and he got like 70,000, or the Gateway Pundit, he got 70,000 views on his Rumble video. Who knows if that's real? And then number six is, will Rumble finally integrate with StreamYard and Restream? Because we know that the cost is $15,000 a month, according to my people at Rockfin that told me. Now, I got to make some of some some conclusions here. We're getting to the end finally, and we can get to some boats. I'm sorry it took so long, but this is this is really important. I think that Rumble has about a year to 18 months left. This burn rate before they need to think about either raising another capital round, which they might already be doing if they're not already working on it, based on the reportedly explosive average monthly user growth over the past two years. Now they claim that they have 44 million monthly active users as of the last earnings call. We're basically taking Rumble's word for it that they're getting the same views as YouTube on our streams, despite a fraction of the total monthly average users and a fraction of the engagement from the people who they claim are viewing. So I think I'm justified in questioning the accuracy of the views per live stream and views per video upload and how they're counted. It seems that the view counts are definitely questionable. I would also love to see Rumble invite an independent analytics company to validate or accurately report on viewing time, engagements, etc., and prove the numbers that Rumble reports to creators and viewers on both live streams and uploads. Also to their shareholders. Remember I mentioned that they're on Wall Street? If their numbers are not what they say they are, can you say the word fraud? That would be massive, massive fraud on a huge scale to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars. So I think they should bring in a third-party auditor personally. Finally, where's the fucking money? Lebowski, yes. Rumble should also add an update to the live stream reporting to the development roadmap for the creators to gain actionable data about user activity during a stream and once it's over. My feeling is they don't want to report that because they won't because that will show you who's actually live and that it's a lot less than they're reporting that it actually is. They've got a long way to go, but these changes are not hard or expensive to implement, and I'm hopeful that they're listening. I have sent this to the people at Rumble. We will all be watching closely. And if you think more people should see this, please share this article, and it will be in chat, and it's over at my substack at IndieMedia.today. And then there's all the links to find me and find all this, and we've got a couple of comments and a bunch of likes. And I appreciate everyone that's taking the time to go through this because I know it is long. And I thank everyone for sticking with me on there. Brooke Hines, friend of the show, friend of the network, saying Rubble's UX is horrible. E.g., there's no way to scrub. And when you try to lose your and when you try, you lose your place, which is also correct. There's also Reclaim the Net, which writes a whole Rumble review that's pretty fair as well. So all right, I'm exhausted. I need boats. Show me the money! Thank you, Rich, for inspiring me. Thank you to everyone that helped contribute to that article. Give me your feedback. This guy, for multiple times checking it and reminding me, oh, shit, the 24-hour thing. Right. Um, all different stuff. All right. So that's great. We've got fans in, in chat. Thank you. Thank you, Ant. Cowboy Kitty. Ah, oh, Quad 6. I don't know who Quad 6 is. 
Ukrainian stuff. I don't know. I, I can't catch up with you folks. I love you all. I, I want to put some stuff on, on screen, but I don't, I don't know what to put up. I need to start letting Reef do that somehow. But fake Mr. Beats accounts? No. You just got to get better. Yeah, thanks. All right. I, I know. Oh, Jesus. This with this. I don't know about John to anything. All right. John to John to Emily to this. And all right, folks. All right, guys. Anyway, I'm spent. Um, I hope you guys like that article. Please share that article. I spent a lot of time working on it. It's also over at the INN Substack. That was also cross-posted. But it's been, it took me days. And I poured over it, and I sweated over it, and I really was... I want to make sure that this was done right, especially after the hatchet job that the AP did, that somebody accurately talk, tells the story of Rumble, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and what's going on. Should you invest your time there? I don't know. That's up to you. But I'm laying out all the facts. We actually made it through. Yay. All right. So I don't know what Greg and Chris are up to. And if we're going to have a politically homeless, it probably will not be tomorrow night, but it may, but it will be maybe this week. Maybe not. <clears throat> we keep you on your toes here at INN. Yep. Monday, Tuesday, right now we've got nothing on the schedule. <laughs> Wednesday, we've got INN News with this guy and Colin Care Bear, Radish Carter. Yep. Thursday night, we will have a brand new Nobody Wants to Work Anymore. Himbo's been sending me stuff all, all week to, to, to include in this week. And it seems like we're going to include what happened with California voting against some kind of unionization today or yesterday. Go back and check out last week's as well. It's... It, the subject matter is a little on the heavy side. One of them was about how no one can afford the rent anymore in a resort town in Oregon, Washington border. And then the other one, I don't even remember. Oh, I think we actually went through the rumble thing. But um, maybe. I don't even remember. I'm, I'm, it's late. I'm high. Yeah, I dig Shanda too. Shanda's awesome. Um, Friday, Angel in the Afternoon will be at 2.15. He's back to his normal time. And because you just watched it now, this Boats Smashing Into Other Boats will be cut as its own show and run on Friday night at 10 o'clock Eastern. And then Sunday hey, night. And then next Sunday night at 10 Eastern. I, I'm expecting to be here for a new episode, but I can't 100% promise because there's a birthday in my house and I don't know if I'm going to be able to properly prepare but we should we should be all right i'll let you guys know but i i'm planning on being there for do, do you watch angel friday like he needs some views go watch him yeah yep hook up hook up angel angel in the afternoon on inn on his channel as well go give him a like sub if you have not already to the 24 people, it's not my birthday, no, Nick, it's one of my kids. But uh, if you have not already, please like this stream, give it a thumbs up. I know we've lost a few people already, but yeah, share INN. We're being suppressed heavily. Hook us up, please. We need it. And uh, 
So what else have we got? I think I, I think I'm pretty spent. Go and share that Substack article. Go like oh, that. Uh, we should have uh, Jamie Font coming on next Wednesday. We're going to pre-record that Tuesday. Oh, sweet. So he wrote a Substack. So we're going to cover that. Yes, he did. And Thank check you. out all the all the segments from INN News. Those are publishers' <laughs> clips. We'll be cutting these few stories tonight as their own clips and putting that out during this week. And maybe some shorts as well. We'll cut some shorter versions and get that out there. Go subscribe to Jesse Jet. Go support him as well. Follow at Big Mad Crab 2 and on Twitter if you're not already. As well as Chris Legion 2. That's with a K. Chris Legion 2. We had two INN members. That's that. Um... That's not at Chris Legion oh, 2, right. though. That's at No Labels Podcast. At no Labels Podcast is what it's... Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey. I am, uh, I'm done for this evening, so I'm going to say goodnight to everyone. I love you all, uh, and I'm going to, as usual, say to keep questioning everyone's motivations. Keep listening to what little birds have to tell you, everyone. Good night, fam. No. Ciao, baby. Indie News Network, collaborative family of independent content creators. Co-hosted normally by me, Indy. I'm founder and editor of Indie Left News and Indie Media Today. I got Reef Freeland sitting next to me. At Kennedy News. Is Andrew Rivera on the handsome cynic? Politics and survival. Uh, my name is Jesse Jett. It's American tradition. Subspace monkeys. Welcome to Political Fight Club. I'm Robert Durden. I mean, I mostly make art for INN. Big Man Crab Joe. Keep up those great videos. Hey guys, it's Yeti. I'm uh, coming at you. Hello, my name is Lucy. This is Chris Legion. I think I liked it better being blind When I couldn't read between the lines And when I couldn't see the cracks in the structure That lay bare before me the whole time I think I liked it better back when I Suspended disbelief and swallowing pride I thought I knew the difference in the red from the blue But they both bleed us so dry both bleed us so dry My favorite songs don't hit the same way I get to the end of a four minute track And I'm only looking back thinking What did they actually say?